someone on my team got um, positive diagnosis for coronavirus. Ooh. And he, so he got that on the Tuesday, but the Friday before, he believes he got it on the Friday evening when he went to see his friend. Mm. Um, but as a precaution, we all had to basically go home and get. I mean, I'm, I've been working from home mm. in the past couple of weeks anyway, but I went in on that Friday to do a one to one face to face with him. Mm-hmm. With him specifically. Uh, and so then I had to also get tested, even though I've been, been barely in. My test never came back. And yeah. so I had to stay isolated legally until the time period had gone. Like I tried calling up the helpline yeah. and it was basically like, if you've not received your test back within 72 hours, please stay isolated for 10, for 10 days. I'm like, for fuck's sake, just mm. get it back to me. Tell me that I'm all fine. Rebecca's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely fine. But legally, yep. I'm not allowed out. Yep. So I've spent the past two weeks so it's, it's kind indoors. of a mess for testing right now. Two weeks, Scott. Indoors. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently what's happened, um, basically the government did put a lot into getting testing centres out there, but they forgot that they need labs to actually test all the samples. So we got lots of samples, yeah. uh, but they've not uh, financed any labs. So our testing capacity is way down. It's a, it's a bloody... Oh, it's 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 been awful. I mean, I, I, I mm. tend to spend most of my time indoors anyway. But this just, yeah. oh, mm. it was just, it was just bad. Um, this is a welcome to the Nerd and Geek video game podcast with me, your host Cal Doughty, and then um, the the oh, I had a thing for you. Uh, what I've been doing, yeah. what I've been doing, what I've been yeah, doing coming into this, now, what I've been doing coming into this, is I've been trying to think of different things to describe you as every single time. Uh, we've had, we've had the tax man, we've had the man responsible for whatever I said a few weeks ago. You, you can't remember your own joke. <laughs> you're ru- you're ruining it now. You're really ruining it. Uh, and the man who ruins all of my jokes, it's Scott Hunter. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, Scott? Uh, I'm 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 all right. Yeah, it's been fine. Another normal couple of weeks, really. Uh, not much, like what am I meant to do? New restrictions are being imposed. You know, my life is the same as always. It's not like I've gone anywhere or really had any momentous experiences. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's been fine. Um, one work has been all right. Uh, research work has been slow, um, but yeah, I don't bet. really want to talk about that that much. Bet. And uh, my general life has been all right. I don't mind it. One thing, one thing I think of whenever you do an intro on this podcast, and I always ask you to do the intro, so it's all it's all my own fault if, if anything. Is uh, what if this is someone's first Nerd Under Geek podcast? I hope they'll get an the idea of what the tone will be like. <laughs> the first thing they hear is Donald Trump should die. Yeah, you should do. Um, and if that turns you off, you don't want to be listening to this, mate. <laughs> really, I don't want you here. <laughs> Anyone who thinks Donald Trump should what live, if this is, what if this you're not is the, the kind podcast. of person who listen to my podcast. Well, if this is the podcast where someone listens to, like, maybe we'll hire Cal for video game stuff. Okay, well, let's see what sort of what sort of stuff he's wanted to put out. People should die. Well, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you stand strong with me, Cal. I hope you, I <laughs> I hope do, you I would do. agree with me as well. No, I, 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 su- I support. Uh, I, I agree with you. He deserves to die, and I hope he does. Yeah, I agree. Um, if that and if that means I don't get hired. You wouldn't want so to work for be. them anyway if they think Donald Trump uh, should live. I, I do I do want... Uh, I guess also I don't want to be fired from my current job. Is that ever <laughs> uh, Does anyone listen... Do your bosses listen to this podcast? I know people at my work who listen to this podcast. I mean, whatever. I hope they agree with me as well. <laughs> should do. 
And, and if they don't, I've already told them to stop listening. So why are you still here? <laughs> why are they still here? You can't report what you've not listened to. It's illegal. <laughs> now what? going to fetch a policeman. Um, I'm feeling tired today. Yeah. So yesterday, it's yesterday I, I got went you up out to record this uh, half for the an hour first early. time in two weeks. Kind of, uh, but not not exactly. Uh, yesterday, I went out for the first time in in two weeks because I've been having to having to quarantine. I've not got coronavirus, but because someone I interacted with did have it, I had to quarantine got, until I got my results back. I did not get my results back. Listen to the pre pod, post pod for more on that. Uh, but so yesterday, I went out for the first time properly in two weeks, and I decided to go to uh, the Trafford Centre, which is a massive shopping centre in Manchester, where there were loads of people. And it turns out. When you've been secluded for two weeks, putting yourself in the middle of hundreds of people is not yeah maybe not the best thing for your mental health. Uh, so I am positively brain frazzled, exhausted. As as someone who suffers from uh, quite debilitating anxiety uh, and who used all of his energy to fight through that and not get anxious while he was out shopping, I am feeling it today. It's it's like it's like a mental hangover, and it's that's that's where I'm at, and that's why. You may get me f- losing my train of thought, or so doing starting a joke and then being like, "What was the joke I was going to make?" Um, that's where I'm at today. Uh, but otherwise, doing okay, doing doing all good in 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 good spirits. Should we talk about some of the things we've been doing, watching, and playing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got quite a lot for the previous two weeks. Week. Do you want, do we you want have, to trade off? We have. Got or do you lot? want to just do do it all in one go? Let's trade off. All right, well, I think let's, let's, let's trade off this week. So, do you want to start with your Scott's movie bulletin? So, for those who didn't hear the previous podcast, Scott's been watching some horror films because we're in the month of October leading up to Halloween. And so, Scott's going to give us a little bit of a rundown about what he thought about the horror films he's been watching. Yeah, and also, I've got I've got one that's not a horror film, but I did watch it anyway. Okay. So, is that. Is that Come to Daddy? No, no. Come to Daddy is a horror film. Uh, but okay. we're going to start with um, a non-horror <laughs> documentary, Class Action Park. Although some of the things in that documentary are a bit horrific. Uh, Class Action Park is a documentary uh, about a water park that was opened in New Jersey in the 1980s through to about 96. Uh, it was okay. built by some rich guy who was like a libertarian kind of kind of slightly shady character who didn't build the park to, with respect to any kind of safety regulations or, um, you know, maybe even sense or uh, with respect to whether the rise would be too fast or whatever. It was highly unsafe. It was a very unsafe park. Uh, <laughs> he didn't care the rise at all. Okay, no. all right. So basically, yep. it was kind of this guy did... No, the, the perspective the documentary puts over is it's basically this guy who doesn't really have any engineering training or background in designing theme park rides uh just using his money to design just kind of whatever rides he wants. he would like draw on a piece of paper like oh, i want to ride the loop-de-loop and then he would get someone in to do it and they would be like i think this is a bit too steep and he'd be like just do it <laughs> and you know they would design it <laughs> uh, so basically uh you kind of got a mix of a water park that looked pretty exciting but also was incredibly unsafe um, and also right, okay. he like hired a bunch of teenagers from a local area to like run it. So it was a lot of, uh, so basically there are a few things I wanted from this going in. You obviously want stories about how fucked up this park was. Uh, you want kind of crazy stories, but I was also yep. expecting it to turn into some tragedy, uh, which it did. So 
I think for most part, it kind of got the right mix uh, because, you know, it's a classic documentary uh, trajectory of it starts off with a fun stuff, gets more serious as it goes along. Um, and yeah. in that sense, yeah. it did deliver. There's a lot of crazy stuff in that park. Uh, a lot. I thought it was, um, you know, as a documentary, it was quite engaging. They kept the stories interesting. Uh, a number of people kind of interviewed. Uh, my main kind of problem with it is that it gets, it goes from like, interesting and fun to like tragic where they talk about there's some children did die at this park like six people died uh at, yeah. due to various preventable accidents uh because it was so unsafe i'm looking um, i'm looking at the plot it seems like the first half focuses on like the the, hmm. the not the you know the, the fun the mishaps that happened at the park and then the second yeah, half it goes on to like in, the, the death in the final section like in the conclusion they kind of can't really seem to decide whether this was a good thing uh, that's my what? problem. So they're like, you have like the interviews with like the families of the dead, uh, <laughs> the children who died who are like, you know, it was really horrible. You know, I'll never forgive this guy for, you know, doing this. It could have been entirely preventable. And then it goes back to some of the people who interviewed earlier who were like, yeah, you know, it was very unsafe, but isn't that the American dream? It was freedom. You know, it gave us the freedom to, <laughs> so basically the, the movie seems a bit confused as to whether, uh, the deaths of these children was worth it or not. Then the conclusion they seemed to strike was like, yeah, you know, several children did die entirely preventable deaths through the negligence of a park's owner, but also it was a pretty rad water slide. So, you know, what are you going to pick? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's, it's the, it's the common thing of like, as long as I'm having fun, it doesn't matter if someone else dies. As long as I don't it die seems like and a I enjoy really Ameri- myself, a real American perspective. Because they kind of position yeah. it as like an American dream type deal, where like yeah. you had the fr- whatever. I don't agree with that. I think that's a bit shit. Um, oh no, of course not. But it's, it is very much like that's that's a perspective that gets thrown around a lot. I think, especially when it comes to um, American stuff, in that like it's 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 designed as a land where you focus on yourself and you 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 have to like make sure you're best off as opposed to think about anyone else anyway um i did quite like class action park it's a very it's a very interesting thing uh i think they didn't really stick the conclusion very much um anyway um next up into the horror films we've got a film called the room not that one but someone made a film in 2019 and they called it the room uh imagine that there's three the rooms now isn't there yeah imagine that so you've got the tommy Wiseau the room which is obviously notoriously bad you've got the um the one with brie larson and jacob tremblay also called the room I and think. then you got this one which stars no one you've ever heard of uh it came out in 2019 imagine okay. imagine calling your film the room this after seeing i very much described it as this is a plan B at a film festival. If a film you didn't okay. want to see at a film festival was sold out, or a film you did want to see was sold out, you'd be like, oh, what's on? Uh, the Room? Uh, sure, I guess I'll go see that. I've got a fair few hours. <laughs> okay. um, what's the details? Okay, so the, the details room? is a uh, couple move in to some big old remote like mansion, kind of big house. Uh, they can't. They've had a miscarriage. That's the, the, the all of these family focused horror movies. The rift between the couples that they always had a miscarriage, uh, which mm-hmm. um, you know the serious thing in real life. I just think it's a bit played out in horror. Uh, but anyway, they find um, yeah. buried in this house, like they find a secret room, and the room. If you ask for something inside the room, uh, it makes it for you. You ask for like a million dollars, you have a million dollars in cash, etc. But then, you know, you see where this is going. Uh, the, the, the wife wishes yeah. for a baby. The room makes her a baby. Uh, but then they discover that if you take anything outside the house, it turns into dust. 
So I thought I thought what we were going with this is that they end up with a uh, paternity battle between the father and the room for who's who's the father no, of the baby. No, that would that would have been better. Uh, basically, um, <laughs> yeah. So if you take it outside the house, it turns into dust. So they got to raise this child entirely inside the house. The child gets fucked up, as you might imagine. He tries to run away a few times. It turns out if a living thing tries to run away, like it is not just turning it to dust, it ages you. So he. The, the babe, the toddler, like, runs outside and he becomes, like, a 10-year-old. The 10-year-old escapes and runs outside and he becomes, like, a grown man, you know. Uh, but it, Why? Wait, why doesn't he turn into dust? Uh, because, so the, the process of turning into the dust is because the thing just, like, ages you super fast if you go outside the okay. house. So, basically, he's right. getting aged. Uh, so, okay. Although I think that's a bit... Because yeah. the other objects turn into dust real quick, so they must be aging really fast. But whatever. Don't think about it. This kid, obviously... Is, Can he feel it? Um... I, I don't... Yeah? Does it hurt? Like he kind of, does he kind it, of does just, it hurt to age that quickly? He, does he keep his clothes? Uh, no, the clothes kind of rot off him. But anyway, the point is, this kid becomes fucked up. He wants to have sex with his mum, which is, you know... Okay. Um, but basically, the couple start to realise, oh, we really fucked up this house kid. Uh, maybe we should uh, do something about it. And he tries to terrorise them. Uh, and they, they do into a bunch of stuff because you can even, if you go into the wish room and you wish, oh, I wish this looked like it was outdoors, it can create like an entire outdoor space. So there's a lot of like looping with like, oh, okay. actually we thought we were inside the main house, but it's just the illusion of the main house inside the secret room. Uh, so in, con- in conclusion, this film thought it was a lot cleverer than it was uh, because it does okay. get sucked into a lot of like, oh, we're actually in the illusion uh, in the last third. Uh, yeah, not very interesting, I've got to say. Give it a miss. Uh, kind of interesting premise. There's the fun early parts, seeing what they do with this room, and after that, it does become kind of a, a pretty boring, um, you know, chase through multiple layers seems... of house illusion. Wouldn't recommend. This is like a small film. It's only been reviewed 17 yeah, it, times. Yeah, it... it didn't re- um, release too much. It's a pretty indie film. Like I said, you'd expect this to show at a film festival and then maybe not get general distribution. Uh, but wh- Oh, it's French. It's English language, but it's French. Yeah, uh, maybe it was filmed in France. I don't know. But okay. anyway, I wouldn't recommend it. So give the room a miss. <laughs> um, All right. Speaking of something oh, well. I wouldn't recommend, 1BR, that's the numeral 1BR, stands for one bedroom. It's about the renter's economy. Oh boy! Uh, oh, great. This okay, woman is trying fun. to rent a a bit of a bit of land. She's trying to rent an apartment in uh, <laughs> in LA. Like the Sims, she's yeah. going to build her own house. No, she's trying to rent an apartment in LA, and she finds a apartment complex which seems perfect and it's very exclusive. But she gets in, and they're all about community there, but they're a bit too about community cow because it turns out to be a mm. weird cult. Uh, that's okay. gonna like brainwash her and torture her until she becomes part of a cult. Uh, no supernatural elements in this one. I thought there would be, but there's not. It is like a cult movie. It's one br was in some ways a kind of a weird uh, a throwback. What is now a throwback to like the Gorefest movies of the two thousands? Do you remember when like yeah. Gorefest was like the main horror thing for a while? I never really like, watched Saw. any, but no, I, you, I, you didn't I really watch. So. I didn't really but watch Saw, Saw and stuff. Yeah, oh, I've I seen Saw. I've seen the original. And I, the, uh, I wasn't really a the, big the fan of like, Gore, of like Gorefest. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of like those no. movies, but anyway, this is—I guess this is a throwback now, like uh, to that. That's that's gone. 
Uh, but there's definitely some like gory bits here. It's not quite as bad like a saw level thing, but they definitely do focus on kind of some of the physical tortures. And um, it's just kind of a mediocre cult movie. I don't really think the cult was that interesting. Um, it's you, it follows a trajectory that you'd expect. Um, wouldn't really recommend one br either. It- I like the caption on the poster, which just says, "Welcome to the neighborhood." Yeah, should be scared. Like, should- looking at that with no context, just sort of like. Okay. We should all be scared of a renter's economy, but again, one br wasn't that interesting. So, uh, whatever. No, I think you can find both better gore fest <laughs> and better cult movies if you so want. But two two films that I did really like. Uh, we'll move on. The okay. Wretched, twenty nineteen. Uh, it's a movie about a witch, a good old witch. Love a witch. Uh, so this is a, yep. a good movie. It's about a guy, like a seventeen year old boy, whose uh, parents are divorced. He's staying with his dad during the summer. And his dad is like lives by like a beach, uh, so the kid and owns like a like a sailing like a children's like activity like sailing general like beach activity business that the kid is uh, like working at. Um, but his next door neighbor has been taken over by a witch. It's a witch who like a creature that will like steal your skin and like take possess you and take you over and then try and steal all the children. So I, I okay. like this one. I liked this one. I'll tell you why. Uh, because, you know, it's one of those movies where like the first half hour, like maybe like 40 minutes, it's just a slice of life, like teen thing where this kid's got to deal with his parents' divorce. He's living in this, uh, you know, in this in this town for the summer. He meets another girl. And I, I really wanted to just watch the slice of life film where like yeah. he deals with his dad's divorce and he gets it together with his girl. And uh, he has a really memorable summer by the beach. But it doesn't go that way because the witch is... No, you had to include the witch. You had to have a witch. But I like... This is what I like about those old like 80s slasher films is you kind of just want to watch the slice of life stuff and then the horror sort of uh, rams into the experience. Uh, so yeah, I get I, I liked it. Uh, the, the actors were... I liked the actors. Um, the witch effects were pretty cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it gets it some creepy... Does bits. it... Does it have that scene that's always in these sort of films where um, they're all a bit like uh, concerned about what's going on and then suddenly they read something that confirms what's going on. It sort of best matches up with what they're, what they're dealing with. And then they realize it's all true. Uh, I get, do they read? Uh, he does do some Googling. He very good in this movie. He Googles some web 1.0, witch websites with like a cursor. That's like a flying witch. Nice. Uh, there you go. That's, that's it. Fun. That's what I'm on about. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so, that's good. Yep. Yeah, um, I reckon I really liked the Wretched. Uh, it was uh, a surprise. Uh, fun. Uh, fun witch movie is an effective witch movie. Uh, where I would definitely recommend checking out the Wretched. For a nice horror okay, film. And nice. finally, we got Come to Daddy, which is an Elijah Wood <laughs> movie. You, have you seen the modern like post Lord of the Rings Elijah Wood movies? Do you know what he's not done? the movies? But I, I watched. Uh, he what he did a show called. Um, it's like a uh, uh, Dick Gently's holistic oh, yeah. detective agency but, that was pretty cool. But basically, uh, Elijah Wood's good. Yeah, after Lord of the Rings, he's basically used his Lord of the Rings money to just do whatever project he wants, and he's yeah. mostly been doing low budget horror movies. Why not? Yeah, why not? It's what he enjoys, and, why and not? He's, well, it's good at it. So it's about a kid uh, called Norble. Played by, I mean, he's an adult. He's an adult called Normal, played by Elijah Wood. Uh, he gets a letter from his estranged father, who he has not seen since he was five, uh, saying, Come see me. Um, he uh, goes to see his dad. And I don't really want to say anything more about it, but this movie takes some twists, takes some turns. 
I don't really want to say anything about what happens, but yeah, it's uh, you can. His dad's a weirdo, and you'll see, you'll see what happens with it. I really liked uh, "Come to Daddy." Elijah Wood has a net worth of thirty-five million. Yeah, you, you go, which is less than I thought it would but, be. For some reason, but enough to finance a lot of low-budget horror movies. And when Absolutely, you, when which you I, go which see I guess an Elijah, makes his money back an Elijah Wood movie, uh, you know it will be entertaining. Oh, also, as well, he can like get investment because he's like, I'm a star. I'm Elijah Wood. Yeah. Uh, so I would I like a good old Elijah Wood movie, and I would recommend Come to Daddy. So The Wretched and Come to Daddy, I would recommend. Um, maybe Class Action. I'm gonna Park, I'm gonna touch uh, on Wood but here, but I think Elijah Wood might be Elijah Wood might be a good person. Maybe I hope so. Did you see his Animal Crossing stuff? No. So uh, early on in Animal Crossing, uh, he um someone posted they had like really high turnip prices one day and he took he de- sent them a tweet directly saying hi would it be okay if i came and got some of your turnips uh sold some of my turnips there because i need i need some money and they said yeah and he came along and he'd like co- he complimented their island and things mm-hmm. said said please and thank you and then went on his oh. way and his animal crossing character looked exactly oh, like that's him. nice nice it is nice isn't it anyway it's good uh, I like so that's, it when stuff that's like my that movie happens. bulletin for this fortnight I like it. Okay, I'm just going to quickly make a note of where we are time-wise at so 35, 37, because you keep cutting out. Are you are you like you are you using your internet? Yeah, internet I am. Using? I'm using crap internet again. Is there any way you can swap? No, because I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what. Um, free uh, 5G wrote me a letter being like, we can't give you service anymore. We're switching over. Free broadband is no more. It's being folded into the regular free mobile. And I, due to some kind of licensing law, like they can't just switch over my service. They were like, you've got to, we, we, you got to let us give you a sales call to do it. And I, I kind of looked at that and I was like, oh, fuck it. I don't really, I can't really be bothered. Just end <laughs> okay. the contract here. Oh, right. Okay. Then. I, so because yeah, I feel like... Bad internet. Then. Yeah. I feel like... They can d- just do that to me. They can just be like, we can't provide you a service anymore. No consequence to them. If I wanted to get out of that contract midway through, they'd want money yeah. from me and whatever. Fuck off. No. Yeah. Uh, so, Is there anywhere else you can move to for that similar sort of service? Um, I might have a look, but I don't really... I'm fed up right now. I don't have the energy to look for broadband services. That's fair. That's okay. Cool. Well, that, that, that was I good. I am still on. recording. We like, like... will still be in sync. That's fine, that's fine. I might just leave that bed in, to be honest. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, so I've been... So you, you, That's what you've been watching for the past couple of weeks. Do you, do you tend to watch like a movie every other night? Uh, or, I normally or have movie you... Mondays. Oh, okay. So you just watch them all in succession? Yeah, my, my, my friend comes over and we watch uh, movie Mondays. That sounds like my idea of a nightmare. I hate Why? <laughs> I hate spending a significant portion of time... I, I, I very rarely watch films. Usually two or f- two movies a night. I watch TV, but I'm I'm very bad at even uh, watching one movie, let alone multiple movies in succession. I'm sorry. Uh, although I did watch a movie last night. It's, this wasn't on my list, but I watched uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, how was it? Which is the, the the sequel to the other two Bill and Ted movies, but it's set 25 years later. Very good, genuinely, really fucking good. Cool. Uh, very funny, very heartfelt, and felt like a a a natural follow on to those movies. Which sort of like made sense in 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 terms of like you because we watched so we watched we've watched basically a Bill and Ted movie every weekend leading up to this one, and then we watched this one and it it doesn't feel out of place it doesn't feel like they've made a completely different film twenty five years later it feels like a natural progression to the other two films and it's very it's very good if you like Bill and Ted strongly recommend it it made me feel things it was good 
Um, they, they they are now 25 years older. It's still played by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. And they have daughters, which they've also named Bill and Ted. Uh, little Bill and cool. Little Ted. I don't want to give me too much detail because I want to watch it still. I'm not watching it. Yet. Okay, but that's that's and then, and then basically they need to they still need to come up with their their song that unifies the world. Okay, cool. That's the that's the premise, uh, and so they go out their way to to do that. But it's it's very good. Strongly, strongly recommend it, especially if you're a fan of the first two Bill and Ted films. Um, it's it's very good. But what I wanted to talk about this this week is an anime update uh, for a show called The Great Pretender on Netflix. Have you seen this at I've all? Not, no, I don't Have know you, anything about you heard it. Heard about it? Okay, let me get up the synopsis because you know I'm bad at, at, at words sometimes. The Great Pretender anime. Um, uh, 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 that just says who it's made by. Um, it, why does this? Why does the synopsis never have what the actual show's about? What the fuck? Basically, okay, you've got a con man in Japan who says he's the greatest con man in all of Japan, and then one day a Frenchman shows up. And cons him into traveling to Los Angeles to take part in his own sort of like con heist. And it follows this this group of con people as they try and um, con bad people out of out of some money in order to make a lot of money. So it's, it's you have you have three cases that are currently on Netflix. Uh, one is Los Angeles Connection, where they're basically conning a uh, a, a movie mogul uh, who's who's also involved in drug trades, and you've got Singapore Sky where you're, they're conning uh, someone who is sort of fixing air races, uh, and then you have Snow of London where they're conning a a pompous British art critic who's using a woman to 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 sell his art, um, and they basically just just do that and con the, con them out of a lot of money. It's beautiful. It's it's really stunning to look at. It's it's got a, a really wide color palette. So like, whereas a lot of like uh, studio writs, wit studios, sorry, previous stuff they've done Attack on Titan, for example, has been very sort of um, serious, very sort of dark colors, a sort of a sort of prestige color palette that you should get an anime to show. Hey, this is a serious anime. You've got to take this seriously. Whereas this one, they seem to have. Um, Gone completely different direction. Everything is full of colors. It looks like a watercolor painting all the time. It's it's absolutely stunning to look at, um, with some really cool animation, <coughs> and the characters themselves, the story, everything is is just really. I became really attached to these characters. It, it starts out like quite kind of like, not silly, but like the the characters you don't really know much about them so they just sort of they, they seem to be like a bit tropey and yet as you get into it the characters really open up and really develop and you i became very attached to the characters themselves it was it was really well done to the point where i think this show it's still got another case to come out so netflix has released the first three cases but they haven't released the, the final one just yet but this show is maybe one of the only shows I would recommend to basically anyone. Regard like I recommend it separate to anime. So I wouldn't recommend it to someone who is just into anime. I'd recommend it to literally anyone. It's, it's maybe one of the, one of. The, I think it might be a perfect one series show, which is is not a a something I say lightly when it comes to anime because I think there's a lot of anime out there which I wouldn't necessarily recommend to just anyone. I'd usually ask what you're into before recommending an anime but for this i'm like no you just need to watch this show because it's just really really fucking good at one point it deals with the iraq war and how the how the u.s um illegally attacked iraq and the effects of what of them doing that cool 
it's fucking great. It's fucking great. Right. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's it's really really good. Uh, it just it just has so many surprises as you get to know these characters sort of like hidden away that it's just yeah really really damn good. Strongly recommend it. That's been my like that's my my, my big recommendation of the past two weeks is just watch Great Pretender on Netflix. There's Cal. currently twenty three episodes. Have, have you got any water? I've got some water. Uh, you, I'm remembering now. You told me two. You demanded yes. two weeks ago that I make sure you have water. So making sure you yes. have water. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got water because as I, as I talk more, I get a bit more hoarse, right. and I often don't have water when I'm recording a podcast, which is a bad idea. All right, but enough um, of so all you... that shit, Cal. Uh, I've, I've played <laughs> the, the best. Wow, I've played the best wow. game. Ever made. I love that, Scott. Your 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 way of like going. Okay, Kai, we've talked enough about the Great Pretender. Now you got water. Okay, have a sip of that. Let me talk about some stuff instead. Watch Great Pretender on on, on Netflix. It's really I fucking good. And it's got it's got the Freddie Mercury song made. as the uh, outro music. Yeah. What you played, Scott? Macbeth sixty four. Don't give a shit. Going to talk about my games. Children of Mortar. Uh, no, go on. Talk, talk to me about Macbeth. Uh, I was 64. browsing the Switchy shop. Uh, the other day, last weekend, and I saw for one pound seventy nine a game called MacBat sixty four. And so it, they get you. It is a a modern game, but it is made with uh, the graphics and the style of an N sixty four platformer. It is a tiny little production. Oh. I was, I was, oh, I'm looking at this. I was like one seventy nine. Let's do it. Let's have a play. Uh, it is, a, I would say, a charming little game. Okay, it, you can. It look, you, I like the look of it. You can finish it in like an hour or two, an hour and a half. It's not long. Yeah. It's very small. Um, that's the main thing I would say that breaks from the N sixty four dynamic is that the levels are actually very small. It doesn't have the big, expansive levels. Are they? Yeah, but you know what, it, what they did. What what three D platformers on the N sixty four did was because this is their first time doing three D platformers of, of that era, and they've not sort of learned what's good and what's bad at that point. Is a lot of three D platformers just have levels that. are too big and like ridiculously hard to navigate and become incredibly boring to navigate i think you look at donkey kong 64 or banjo kazooie both rare games i'm not saying rare are the sole reason for this problem but they're definitely up there uh where the, the worlds are just so so big with not a lot going on anyway um and so this doesn't this doesn't have that problem. no it doesn't um i mean like it is truly i think a one-man production or a very small no not one person uh, there are multiple people involved in this uh but it was like a very small production uh clearly super indie uh and i would say it's charming it's charming in its uh is indiness uh because you can finish it like i said in like an hour and a half two hours it's just a series of little levels um it's got a charming little sense of humor about it uh, and it's this sort of um, it's, it's for one pound seventy nine. I had a really good time playing Macbeth. It might actually be by one person, you know. Yeah, I mean, Siak- I think it had like Siak-tro. music. And, I had to, like music and stuff by other people. Okay, yeah, I get, I get you. Yeah, but like, yeah, it is a bunch of levels. They all have like a different conceit. Uh, they all you very short but kind of fun. A lot of ideas. It doesn't say it's welcome. Uh, but you know what? One pound seventy nine. Um, that's not even a sale price. That's just the default price. This, I'd, I'd recommend it. it yeah, it's also it, on Steam. It was fun. Available on Steam as well. So, best uh, best game ever, MacBat 64. Uh, is it what ukulele wanted to be? <laughs> I'm, I've never played ukulele, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ukulele on sale now on Switch, isn't it? I might pick it up. Uh, the sequel is. Okay. So, there, there's two sequel? ukulele games. 
Yeah, there's two what? ukulele games. There's the there's the first one, which is like a banjo kazooie like game where you run around a big open world collecting things, and that one re- received sort of middling reviews because it turns out banjo kazooie and stuff not that great. Uh, and so making a game in in modern days to be just like those games, not that great. Uh, but then they made a sequel uh, called Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, which is a send-up of the classic Donkey Kong Country games. And it basically plays like a sequel to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So it's a 2D side-scrolling game, and it's really fucking good. Okay, that's cool. That's, uh, I played I played it last year, and it's 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 really good. It's definitely worth £10, Ukulele. which is available for on Switch right now. I'm going to have a look. All right. Have a look at the, Ooh, have a look oh, at it's got a very, very high rating. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's really good and it sold terribly. Okay, because the first well, ukulele game wasn't that good. Well, maybe you oh Eurogamer liked it as well. Well, you yeah, recommend it. Oh shit, maybe I will pick this up. Ukulele in the Possible Lair is is if you like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Yeah, right? it was good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically it might as well be a sequel to that. It's got the same. It's got favorite um, memory of what playing Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is. I played it um with my while well, my grandmother was in the room and uh, she looks at it. And um, yeah, English isn't her first language. She looks at it and he says, "She says, uh, this monkey, he is wanting uh, some coconuts." was <laughs> <laughs> grandma. He sure is. <laughs> but yes, he sure wants some coconut. Anyway, his coconut guns it fires in bursts. That's my shout out to MacBat sixty four. Okay. Uh, first game I want to talk about this week is Children oh, of Mortar, which is a game yeah. you recommended a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, and was it a good recommendation? No. What? You didn't. You didn't <laughs> I didn't like, like it. it. Why? I didn't like it. So I think. I think. Okay. I. I really like the. I. I I'm not saying I don't. Okay. I, I suppose I am saying I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I think my experience of Children of Water, which is a a roguelike uh, designed in a pixel art style with a very interesting uh, art style to it. Um, it's it's beautiful to look at. It's about a family trying to uncover a mystical curse i think uh you play as a different family members who have different uh, roles to play so like the father has a sword and shield he can slash and hack away at people the daughter has like a bow and arrow and so each family member has different different moves but it's still a roguelike where every time you die you start again essentially i think my enjoyment of this has been hindered by hades which does a similar thing of being mm-hmm. a roguelike that keeps the too, story too much going like yeah actually i it's, everything i've heard about hades it has echoes of children and mortars design in it yes so hades is a, is a game which uh, when you die the story keeps going uh, when, when did children and mortar come out um it, was it 2018 or was it 2019 uh, i think it might have been last year in which case hades actually came first because it's been in early access well, since you know like they, they influence each other um so what I so with, while with Hades is a game that I can get into and I can do a few runs and I feel like when I die it's down to my own sort of mistakes. The few times that I died in Children of Mortar, it felt like I was unable to keep up with what the game was throwing at me. So like I I died quite early on. And I don't think I've got past that first. You got the little tutorial section where you go through the forest and that was that was all fine. I very much enjoyed that. But as soon as I get into like the actual roguelike portion itself, I think I maybe got to the second level before dying multiple I would say times. I for a couple of hours. Maybe it's just because I'm playing it hand, in handheld switch mode. But Maybe. But I say graphics a bit muddy. Like it's a bit hard to keep track of everything on screen, especially with a lot of enemies. I complained when I talked about it about the, the traps that you can't... Yeah, yeah you the traps really annoying. You don't have much of a chance of seeing. 
Uh, no. So yeah, may, maybe let down by those by those deals. So yeah, I, 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 the, the times that I died, I it, every time it felt like it was something that I couldn't have helped. Mm. Like it, it feels like. The, obviously the idea with roguelike is every time you die you then put points into your stats whether you get stronger so you have a better chance of doing it going forward whereas with Hades I never felt like I felt like even if I hadn't put those points into it I probably could have got through if I kept trying like and, and sort of working my way against it with Children is of Water Hades I feel like it's designed mode? pardon? is Hades good in handheld mode? I've not played it on Switch yet okay I will be getting on Switch eventually uh, because I like it that much. Uh, but Children of Mortar, it felt like it was designed that you'd keep dying until you'd put your stats into yourself to get better, which I don't well, really like. Literally, I don't want. I, I don't want to bash my head against a wall for ages until like eventually I can be good enough because the game's decided it's time that I can be good enough. Literally, everyone in I'd my life, my both people I know personally and also gaming personalities who I like, have recommended Hades. So maybe I better just play it. Hades is really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is one of my games of the year. I've not talked about it since we did a 1.0 release, but I have been playing quite a lot of it, and it's still very much as good as I said it was. Um, Maybe yeah, I really drop good, some but... money on some games. Ukulele and Hades. But unfortunately, Children of Water, as much as I wanted to like it, Scott, based on your recommendation, I just I bounced off of it. I do think that's because I, I... It's not your fault. I just think it's because I'm... I'm so enraptured with Hades. Maybe, maybe I'll go and play like... Hades, and I'll be like, oh, Children of Water is shit. It's not <laughs> shit. It's definitely good. It's but just not what I want from those. Sort of, I'm not a big roguelike fan anyway. It's shit. Go put the quote <laughs> put that on the box. box. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was that was a game that I unfortunately bounced off right. of pretty quick. I mean, I gave it two hours, which mm. I think is a is a good enough time to yeah. give a game. I know. I know this is a maybe, game you designed to be played for like loads of time. Maybe you'll come back to it at some point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe when I'm further away mm. from Hades, I'll come back to Children of Water. All right. Speaking of roguelikes. Yeah. Spelunky 2. Tell me about this. Tell me about Spelunky 2. Uh, I bought it and then I realised very quickly, oh yeah, this is why I stopped playing Spelunky. I'm really bad at it. This is a game <laughs> which you do have to be good at it. Like you there's no that you unless you get good at it, but, it's always gonna be yeah. just as hard. So thing of Spelunky is um, and if you don't know Spelunky, it's basically a game you play a, a little cartoon character, you know, Indiana Jones type. You're going down into tombs. You want to, um, you know, you you basically want to descend in this dungeon, um, avoiding literally everything that is trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, every, and everything's trying to kill okay, you. <laughs> so what you, quick, what you quickly learn in Spelunky is that doing a level of Spelunky is very much about getting to the exit as efficiently as possible. Like, you might pick yeah. up gold and gems along the way, but that's not really the point. The point is, you want to get to that exit, because the more exploring you do, the more damage you take. Yeah. So, basically, yeah, it's about that kind of efficiency. I'm real bad at Spelunky. Me too. I feel like maybe if I dedicated more time to it, I could, but I, I really feel it's one of those games that I play and I'm like, there's a genuine skill gap here. I'm not sure if I can conquer. I I also have the same issues with it. I've not got, I've got to the second world, but never any, never any further than the first level of the second world. And then it's when an you're intimidating game, the start of the first and world. everyone says it's brilliant. And I'm sure I can see flashes of brilliance, <laughs> but I don't know if I just have to push to get to the point. Well, I think maybe oh, we should play it together. Oh, because does it have cross-platform? I don't know if that's cross. I've got it on Steam, so I've got it on PS4. Okay, well, we can cross see cross-platform play because maybe that would. I think if I had someone else there, <laughs> it'd probably be easier. Maybe. 
Okay, it's, it's cross-platform players planned. So maybe when the <laughs> when the cross-play comes, sure. we'll play some together. That's my mini review of Spelunky Two. It's good, but I am bad at it. <laughs> uh, Thousand Threads. Have you heard about this? No. Thousand Threads is a an indie game. Uh, where it puts you into a big open world. You are a mail delivery person, and the idea is you've got to deliver mail to different people. Mm. The thing is, um, everyone you interact with is connected to everyone else in the world in some capacity. So, like, if you... Let's say you bash someone in the head... Because you, you can attack people as well. You okay, can like, fight sure. things and stuff and uh, and craft stuff. But let's say you, you hit someone uh, and someone else sees it, that person will then run off and spread this across the rest of the people in the game. And so it will slowly sort of like spread like wildfire. Like what you get to one person and then from them to another person and suddenly everyone's opinion of you will change. Or if you save someone from being attacked from someone else, other people's opinion of you will change. There's a lot of things going on where basically any sort of thing you do goes along the thousand threads amongst the different people to, to impact everyone else. So like, People you talk to, they'll have different opinions of each other as well. So, like, let's say I talk to Margaret, I could ask her what she thinks of Samuel, and she'd be like, "I like Samuel until he hits uh, Josephine over the head with a rock, and now we don't trust him." And you know, like that sort of stuff um, stays within the game. It's not just randomized; it's stuff that, that carries on through the entire playthrough, which is a really cool premise. It's very pretty. Uh, it's like got big open world planes which you got to walk through um, to to deliver your mail to different people but after about three hours of playing i didn't really know what the point was like i i was i was following like my quest goals and things but i wasn't really feeling much magic there or anything i wasn't really sort of seeing what the overarching point of the game was and maybe there isn't a point maybe the point was you just take part in this world and deliver mail and stuff but i did just get a bit bored with it like I, th- I think it's a very interesting idea and clearly a lot of work has been put into it especially for an indie team but it's yeah it's <laughs> it's just not a lot actually going on there beyond this I, th- I think i'd like to see them take this premise and use it for something else like if you put, took this into like a skyrim type game where there's lots of stuff going on i think that could be really cool like imagine if like you become the Imagine if in Skyrim, but, when you become the Dragonborn and you actually save the um, world, that's people kind of actually damning react thing. Oh, I, li- I like your game. I like your game. Uh, it would be good if you built Skyrim around it. Of course, no, no, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> I, I like the 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 um, systems they have in play here, and the things you do actually impact the world. That's really good. I just think the moment-to-moment gameplay isn't interesting enough for me to care about that. You know, it's um. Here's what here's how they describe it on the website. They say Thousand Threads is a beautiful open world, which is true. Where you deliver mail, find out of find artifacts, help people out, and fend off folks that you've wronged. You could take on jobs such as finding an attacker's identity, retrieve stolen items, deliver a gift, obtain a lost keepsake, complete tasks however you like, and make some money, or betray your employer and make an enemy. You deliver mail, uh, open letters, discover more about the people you meet. Some folks are easier to find than others. Okay, I never opened any letters, so. Alright. See I, I was trying to be a good mailman, yeah. but maybe part of the point is like discovering more about the people that you're playing with. Rather the people that are in this world. Uh discover ruins and collect artifacts and help people out. If you see someone being attacked, lend a helping hand or hurting hand. Characters remember and react to the actions that you and others take. So yeah, that's sort of like what it is, but it's um Yeah, I just I just didn't really find it interesting past the first couple of hours like once i sort of figured out how the game was working i was like okay well this is fine 
So unfortunately, another game that I bounced off of in the past couple of weeks. I, what, I, what someone said to me recently is, Cal, you just like every game you play. And <laughs> this is proof positive. This is this proof is, that that's not true. You, I just you've don't got two often games talk- now that you've not liked. I'm about to have a third one as well. All right, you go do. <laughs> I just go do often I won't one. put a lot of time into games that I don't like. I tend to like. I, I prefer to talk positively about stuff on here, but um, yeah, it's it's a couple of games. Unfortunately, past couple weeks that I've bounced off of. You do yours. No, it's fine. You do yours. No, because you got one more than me. So you do Super Mario Thirty Five, and then we'll okay. stay back. I mean, there's a video up on the YouTube channel about Super Mario Thirty Five, yeah, which check is it a out. game no, which no, I no geek have out you, on YouTube. Have you played it at all? I've not. No. Okay, um, Mario 35 is similar to Tetris 99 where you're playing Super Mario Brothers and there are 35, 34 other people also playing with you. Every time you defeat an enemy, you send it to another person's game and then they've got to fight that enemy as well. So as you play, more and more people are sending enemies to your game. So you've got you've got the normal Mario levels but with like loads of enemies that you've got to deal with. And the idea is you've got to be the last one standing. I thought this game was going to be a, a game where you have to play through the entirety of Super Mario Brothers. Like as, as like as you and as you play, do it get progressively harder, and that's not the case at all. You so you start typically on world one one, and you go to world one two, and like if you finish world one two, maybe you'll go to world one three, or as is more often the case, you'll go back to world one one for some reason, okay. uh, unexplained. So it, it the levels seem to be randomised, maybe based on what le- rank you are. I don't know. But also, it's very easy to just win. Like, what I've discovered is it's very easy to win as long as you're just careful of how you're playing. So, like, my method of just sort of, like, slowly going through each level, defeating the enemies, and every time you defeat an enemy, you get some time back, because it's got a little time countdown as well, as Mario games tend to. Defeat an enemy, you get some time, send it to another game, collect some coins, just take it slow, get a fire flower, and then you're invincible. Mm -hmm. Because then every enemy in front of you just chuck a fire flower and it dies. And so as long as you're just taking it slow, it doesn't matter how many enemies get sent your way, you could just blast through them. What you'd often find is that for the start of the game, the first 20 people will fall off very quickly. And then you've got the next 10 people who will fall off slowly over the course of like 10 minutes. But then when you get down to like three people who are just sending enemies back and forth to what to against each other, it slows down massively. I was playing against two other people for 20 minutes, Scott. Yeah. Just doing the it's same like a levels. Of attrition. Exactly. Just doing the same levels over and over. We ne- I never got to world two. It just kept putting me back to other levels in world okay. one. So it's only world one. It's not just things. I have occasionally got to a later world. So I got to world. It shows you what levels you've unlocked as you play. And it gives you like a little counter of how many times you've played that level. World 1-1, one, one, I've probably played over 100 times. World 2-1, three. Okay. Three times. Cool. It's, I don't understand why it's so repetitive while I keep getting to do these levels over and over. I could see it maybe from a, from a standpoint of like making it fairer for people who haven't played Super Mario Brothers before. Because it's like, oh, we don't want to chuck them in at the deep end. But I just don't know why you wouldn't just make the game progressively harder as you play by just going through the levels normally. I want to see World 8-3 with 10 Bowsers against yeah, me. Yeah, that'd be good. I don't want to see World 1-1 one, one with 100 Goombas against <laughs> me because it doesn't really make a difference when I've got a Fire Flower. It's just, it's repetitive. It's not what I was expecting. I enjoyed it for maybe an hour. And then as I started playing more of it, I was like, hang on. This just isn't that impressive. I can see why they're closing it down in March. Because yeah. it doesn't really have legs. Nintendo, it's, it's, you it's, really it's, fucked it up this time with this anniversary. I don't think they fucked up. I think it's neat. I think it's a neat take 
on Super Mario Brothers, it's just not much more than it that. It's not the, the killer app that Tetris 99 was. Tetris 99 is still good and a game that I still mm-hmm. play very regularly. I've already uninstalled Super Mario 35. Mm. As soon as I did that video, I was like, don't want to play it anymore. That's it, it's done. Which is a shame because it's, it, it, this could very easily have a bit more effort. Not effort, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they put effort into it, but you know, a bit more imagination, a bit more something to yeah. it. This could be another Tetris 99 and it's just not. Also, Super Mario Bros. is not the game I would want to do a competitive experience around because it just doesn't... It's a good game. Would it not have made but... made more sense to do it with the original Mario Bros., which is just like a static screen uh, arena thing? Oh, that'd be thing. cool. Yeah, that makes more sense, right? Because Well, this is a, the thing is, it's the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Bros. Okay, as opposed not to Mario, just Mario okay, Bros. I see. Well... Yeah. So, I don't know. But beholden I mean, to not... the format. I would have liked them to like. It would be pretty cool if, because it's celebrating thirty-five years of it, if the like games changed up as you're playing. So like maybe you go back to World One One, but now it's in Super Mario World style or something. You or know? you're sending Super cool. Mario World enemies to like Mario Bros. Yeah, exactly. That, I think that'd and be really cool. And they've got all those art assets because they made they the Mario they Maker. Do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, the mechanics, uh, the Mario Bros. mechanics, like the the way that, that it controls. You're missing a lot of like the um, like quality of life stuff that later games have, have in, like included. So like my partner tried playing it and she really hated it because she didn't not because of the game itself, but because she didn't like how Mario controlled. Like he's not got a lot of momentum. He takes a little while to get running, and then when you're in the air, you lose a lot of control of him. Like within the air, whereas with later games, I think you keep quite a lot of control when you jump. Like you can move left and right a little bit still while you, while you're jumping. Not really the case in the original Super Mario Bros. So those who are just used to later games bounce off of it pretty hard, I've discovered. So yeah, Super Mario 35, not recommended. But it is free if you have Nintendo but, Online. Well, it's not free. You, you you still have to pay the subscription. Yes, exactly. If you, if you have Nintendo Online, it will cost you no more money. Yeah, if you're so, paying the subscription anyway, this I mean, this isn't a reason to get the subscription. You, if you haven't come around yet, if you haven't got Nintendo Online, don't get it for this. No, definitely not. Alright, um, me. What's your next game? The Solitaire Conspiracy. I thought this would be great, and it turned out to just be okay. <laughs> we don't like any games no, this week. What's I, wrong I with like us? I like MacBat64, best game ever. Okay, that's true. Okay, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Solitaire Conspiracy. It's by the... Uh, I think it's Thomas Was Alone guy. It's by that's the guy. Right, yeah. He also made John Wick Hex. Yep. Uh, so it is a, a Solitaire game, uh, but with, obviously, a plot to it. It's quite lavishly produced, because um, it's got F and B cutscenes with like an actor and stuff. Uh, the I- the idea it's not is an actor though. But the, the premise is whatever. It's, 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 a, a it's video games man. Yeah, that's it. Couldn't that's call it. him Greg, an actor. Um, Greg Miller from video games. <laughs> whatever. Um, I didn't I didn't know who he was. I don't not familiar with Greg Miller. Anyway, uh, point the, the setup of the game is you're a super secret spy man, um, and the Greg Miller who is like a spy master. He comes over your TV and he's like, you've been, spy network's all gone pear-shaped. We've all been locked out. It's only you who is, uh, who's can access the spy network. So we got to take back control from the evil solitaire, who's our, like, crime boss opponent. And to do that, you've got to do operations. Uh, and the good news is, uh, we've got ve- an abstract interface that you can control where your spies are. And it's solitaire. Okay. So right, uh, that's kind of the setup. It's obviously a bit ridiculous, uh, but whatever. 
Uh, anyway, but, but the setup of the game is you've obviously got up to four seats of cars, eight piles uh, around the table, and then four central piles that you want to sort the suits into, like solitaire, right? So, yeah, uh, you can put uh, any card on top of any card that's higher in value, so it doesn't have to be the same suit. Uh, and that's like the format solitaire we're talking about. And the main twist on this is that each of the suits, the, the Jack, Queen, King, uh, have powers that charge up. And when you put them on a stack, you can place them any on any stack and they will do something to that stack. Uh, some of those powers are helpful. Some of those powers are actively not helpful, which is a slightly bizarre design decision, I think. Uh, but it's meant to represent, <laughs> okay, like, yeah. uh, these spy crews, they're unpredictable. And they might, you know, they might actually mess you up rather than help you. Uh, but in terms of games, you spend most half the time actively trying not to use these powers, which seems a bit um, a bit counterintuitive. The, the, main, yeah. the main problem I've got with this game is that the... Well, first of all, the solitaire is not that interesting. But second of all... Uh, what you're doing in the game does not match up to the premise of the game. So, like, the, the story of the game is you're meant to be... Your cars are meant to represent agents and you're manoeuvring them into position and the game's got, like, a soundtrack, like a spy soundtrack. And it's got dynamic music as well in this game. For, like, a solitaire game, it's got high production value. It's got real dynamic music that will, like, uh, shift as you do stuff as you get to the end so it's like you're you're placing the right agents for position and then you're, you're gonna pull off these tight operations and you've got these crews who may not work well together but actually you're just playing a rather boring game of solitaire and it just does not match up but the solitaire is not fun uh, and it's not yeah. as dramatic as like the the thing like i've, I've talked before about recency solitaire right which is a game well, clearly well, I this think is part like the reason this, by this solitaire, solitaire isn't that fun is because solitaire itself isn't fun solitaire's not good solitaire spot. can be fun i think <laughs> like regency solitaire i really love it's a great game regency solitaire okay. is a similar solitaire game where the solitaire is framed around a um like a, a visual novel like plot and it's like a loose like jane Eyre or like Fred and Fetch's like Regency style novel. Uh, but the fun thing about that is, first of all, the solitaire is specifically positioned as being light fun and kind of inconsequential to the plot. So yeah. it's kind of like the plot is light. It's um, And the actual solitaire portions are the main focus. And it's just a bit of fun that you're having. And also the solitaire is more fun in that game because um, they've got... Um, all the power-ups first will help you and you can have more control when you use them and um, it's more about like getting combos and getting high scores and stuff. And yeah, that's a game in which the what the plot is and what you're doing uh, mesh up more and it feels like more of a light experience rather than Solitaire Conspiracy, which just falls flat because it's trying to be a big dramatic thing, but the actual Solitaire is a bit boring, so... Right, okay. Well, I wasn't a fan. I, I really wanted to like this game. And it's okay. Like, credit to the Yeah, the you, design. you sent it across to me. You're like, this is a game that's perfect I, for I me. I thought it, it would be for from, you. from the description. Yeah, perfect for me. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I can definitely see like the production that's gone into it and, and so on. Uh, but I can't really recommend it over the Solitaire Conspiracy. Uh, not Solitaire Conspiracy, over Regency Solitaire. And I've actually realised that the Regency Solitaire guy had a game out this year, which I probably will now buy. <laughs> so what you're saying is this game's led you just to a different game yeah maybe like, so it's okay but I can't really recommend it uh, based on it it's, okay. it's quite short oh, though that's a, that's uh, it was like 
Um, so if you get it in, I say if you see it in a sale for under a fiver, it might be worth a buy. But if you if you if it appeals to you, but apart from that, maybe not. Not your sort of thing. Okay, cool. But um, no, it is my sort of thing. I just don't think it lived up to the what it could have been. I know, Sky. Doesn't sound like it's your sort of thing. All right, sure. Uh, maybe you don't like Sonata. All right, now tell me about your sort of thing. <laughs> okay, this is a game that I actually liked. Uh, there's two games now that I liked. I mean, one of them I've talked about before. I just want to talk about the ending of it, but um, they're both anime games. Sorry about it. Uh, this one is, Scott, do you like Breath of the Wild? Oh, uh, yeah, it was okay. Uh, it's the second best Zelda game on Switch. What's the first best Zelda game? No, I'm making, I'm making a, a joke reference for, to Jim Sterling's uh, oh, okay. jokes about Breath right. of the Wild. No, I like Breath of the Wild. It's very good. Um, would you prefer Breath of the Wild if it had anime people in it? Not really. Well, have I got the game for you? <laughs> Not my sort of uh, thing, mate. Genshin Impact yeah. is a game is a is a free game that came out for PS4, PC, and smartphones um, this last week, week before, recently in the past couple of weeks. Um, it's a Chinese-made game uh, which has you basically is is. An almost Breath of the Wild like clone, but not exactly. Where you you get multiple characters to go exploring around this world and save the world from uh, the wind dragon. I think I'm not too far into it, but it's a massive open world. It's beautifully designed, and it's got like that sort of like Breath of the Wild. It's it's one of the only games that was learned from Breath of the Wild and what made that game so interesting to explore around. And that was lots of things to discover as you, and to distract you as you're running around and like sort of take you off the path. Lots of sparkly colors and things to be like, hey, look over here, go look at that. And then suddenly you're doing something completely different to your main quest. You've run off for like another hour just discovering things, and it's it's. It made managed to take that joy of discovery and put it into an an anime game with a bunch of anime men and girls, which is which is entirely my thing. Um, so I played quite a bit yesterday, and you basically play this person, this angel who crash lands on Earth or on on this world, and he's looking for his twin sister, or if you're you've played a girl, you're looking for your twin brother. And in, in, while going on, you inter- interact with a bunch of characters who are basically trying to save this world from impending doom. Um, as you play, you get more characters who each have their own elements. And so, like, your main character has the elements of wind. You find a character who has the elements of fire, electricity, water, etc., etc. All of the in- elements, when in battle, interact with one another. So, like, in Breath of the Wild, where you could set fire to something and then it would, like, spread and, like, create, like, an updraft and stuff... In this, you could do something similar where you could set fire to something, but then you can use your wind powers to increase that flame. So, like, you you set someone on fire, or you you create, like, a tornado. No, you you create a fire, and you can use your wind to create a tornado, which will then create a fire tornado to take out a load of enemies. Uh, If you get the enemies wet, you can then shoot electricity at them to create, like, electrical current to run through them. Lots of stuff like that. So there's a lot of fun with the combat to interact with different things as you're exploring around this world. Uh, the game minutes minute gameplay is very much Breath of the Wild, but whereas with Breath of the Wild, where you could have like this almost open-ended narrative where you could approach things whichever way you wanted, this has a lot more linear questline structure where you have to follow the quest from place to place and 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 interact with the quest in in a linear fashion. But what it does have, which Breath of the Wild doesn't have, is full voice acting for every single quest that you do. So, like, is it everything good voice is acting? Good. It's a good, yeah, it's, it is good. I mean, there's one character called Paimon who is super annoying. She's like your Navi type, like, companion. And she talks about herself in the third person. And she's got this very high pitched, girly. 
Paimon doesn't think that you should be doing that. Very annoying. She's the worst character that I've maybe interacted with this year. But every other character is very tropey anime, sort of like... If you've, you've heard people talk in animes before, that's what sort of thing you get here. Hi, I'm the kind of... I'm the guy who's got the electricity powers. You've got to follow me. I'm the head of the knights. And the sort of thing, you know? It's, um... You know what you're getting from the voice acting, but it very much fits that bill. And it's relatively good. The writing, though, is very good. Like, I don't know what they did with the translation of this from Chinese to, to um to English but the writing is often very funny it's very well written it's just good it's just just like I, I like interacting with different characters and interacting with this world which is not something which I often expect from this sort of game like Breath of the Wild I quite like interacting with characters in the world but that was that seems to be like an outlier as opposed to like the norm whereas this very much is another game where I'm just sort of like oh yeah I want to interact more with what's actually going on here I want to talk to different characters and see what they have to say and do different side quests it's um it's good. The only the only thing is, so like I said before, it is a free game, which means it has to get its money from elsewhere. And the way it gets that money is it's a gacha game. So the way you get more characters is by rolling or rather wishing for them. And then maybe the game will give you a new character when you make a wish, which is, of course, cost real money. And so if you want to have a bunch of different characters beyond what the game gives you for free you have to spend money to then wish for these characters um you can also get like better upgraded weapons that way and so if you want to get like the best stuff in the game you're gonna have to spend some money to get it but what i have found so far is that at no point have i felt the need to spend any money because the characters the game gives you work just fine like i've not run into any sort of like um, monetary roadblocks or anything where it's like oh, you've not got the right guy to continue past this sorry you got you can't play anymore until you spent some money that's not happened i've been playing for like six seven hours so far uh for what i understand that keeps going for the entirety of the like 20 hour gameplay it's just once you get to the end game that you might want to consider spending some money but at that point maybe you should pay for a game anyway <laughs> i don't know um if you're the sort of person who does get gripped by gacha mechanics where you can't really trust yourself to spend to not spend loads of money i would say stay away from it because as i would do for any gacha game just keep yourself away from that but if you're someone who can ignore that sort of thing like i am like i never really felt the need to spend money in on microtransactions in games that is a sort of game which i think is absolutely like strongly recommended because beyond those mechanics it's just a very solidly well-made game that has completely come out of nowhere for me and surprised me with just how good it is. It runs perfectly. I mean, it, it, it's able to run on smartphones while also looking really fucking good. It's just, it's it's a real surprising game. And if you're looking for something that, if you're looking for like that Breath of the Wild itch that nothing else has been able to scratch since Breath of the Wild came out, because I don't think anything else has really tried to do that, then this is the game to play, I think. Have you got any questions, Scott? Nope. Um, sounds cool. right. But uh, yeah, it's impressive. It I, know, I know you won't go for sure. because of the microtransaction aspects, which I think is completely fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's fun. I'm I'm liking it a lot and I'm looking forward to playing some more of it. What's your last game? Uh, last game, Wilmot's Warehouse. I might have talked about this before on the show. I can't remember. Uh, Wilmot's Warehouse. It's an indie game. Uh, you play Wilmot, who is a cube. Uh, a square, I guess. Uh, you've got a warehouse, Cal. Uh, the warehouse uh, stocks a bunch of different squares uh, that all have a bunch of different items, and all the items 
uh, you know, uh, types of item will have like a picture on them uh, that might okay, yep, be yep. interpreted different ways. And the idea is uh, you'll get deliveries. Uh, you may move those deliveries around the warehouse and arrange them however you like. And then uh, people will come and ask for certain amounts of items uh, that you then must find and give them in a time limit. Okay. So the yep. game uh, is basically how do you organize all the, the increasing amounts of stuff um, in your warehouse uh, such that you can fulfill these orders in a time limit? Yes. Okay. So is, is, is it just is it a micromanagement uh, game? Yeah, well, uh, so, yeah, the only kind of measure of success is can you fulfill all these orders via a time limit? So it's not necessarily micromanagement, but it is like, it's basically a free-form organization game okay. where it's just... Can you? Because you've got like a bunch of different pictures on them, right? So you might say, let's say I've got a picture um, with like um, like a beach ball on it. And I might be like, well, I'm going to make a section. This is what I did in my game. It's like, I'm going to make a section that's just all circles. Then you're having, I, you also get pictures of like line graphs on them or like bar charts. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have charts. But if you get one that's like a pie chart, do you put that with circular things or do you put that with graphs? And that's just, that's just you know, the stuff that I came up with on my own so it, it gets you know uh increasing um yeah increasingly complex organizing it's a game that i really want to see how other people have played it because i can definitely imagine people will have like um like have just completely different organization schemes to how i've had it uh hey everyone uh i don't know if you've just heard but we did suffer massive technical failure as Callum's microphone came undone but we're back a day later to record the second half of the podcast so here we are uh cow uh what we actually did i do uh wilmot's warehouse before this you did well you did wilmot's warehouse okay well cow what have we got up next it's time for the news um so first of all we're talking about farmville did you ever play farmville no, I never played Farmville. Farmville was the did boomer you play game. Farmville? I did play Farmville. Yeah, I, I played a did. lot of Farmville. Uh, Farmville R.I.P. Was, to a real one. Farmville's uh, ending. The boomer game of of a generation. Uh, I think this is this was this was what kickstarted Facebook's gaming platform. Like, I I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people play games on Facebook. Even yeah, now. Like, I know loads um, of people. Farmville Mafia Wars were all very big. Mafia uh, Wars, are, yeah, that was another big one. So Farmville um, is closing its gates forever on the 31st of December 2020. It first launched in 2009, which seems sooner than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and basically you could have a little farm which you could then tend to and other people could come visit your farm and things. You could like look after other people's farms. And basically the reason they're closing it down is because Adobe is no longer distributing and updating Flash Player for web yep. browsers. And so they've decided rather than upgrading it to be... It's not worth redeveloping for another It's not worth redeveloping because uh, Farmville 3 comes out soon. Cool. So I don't, I don't think they care about uh Was Farmville the game Farmville that one? got boomers into Facebook? Yes, it well, is partly that. So, rather um, they so on Facebook Farmville already. is responsible for Donald Trump getting elected. Farmville kept people <laughs> on Facebook for longer than maybe they would have been otherwise. I, I, I think I would love to take a look at some point into how much influence games like Farmville had in terms of people keeping people around on Facebook. Because I know that like my, my dad, for example, still plays 
Facebook games and I get notifications every now and then. I've had to mute him because I, I keep getting too many notifications of like, come join my my mafia squad. And it's like, well, I'm not doing that because um, I play real games. I'm a real gamer. I don't play your casual <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, but it, it very much kickstarted a lot of people just sticking around on Facebook. So I think, I think it's one of those things where Facebook survives one on terms of like knowing as much as you can about you but the more you use facebook and the more you actually spend on facebook the better it is for facebook obviously so i think this was just one area which kept people around and, and helped build facebook into what it is today unfortunately um we've both still got facebook's go. but you know it's, only it's, for messenger i think i think it gets to a point right where it's probably no no point in getting rid of it when you've had it for as long as we have. I don't think I've posted to my Facebook in like ages, ages, a year, more. I literally use Facebook just for sharing like no, no, no stuff. So only, I only use Messenger because there are a few people who will only communicate with me via Messenger uh, due to court order. So I can't... <laughs> uh, only joking. I think I'm that. one of them. But, uh, I, I, um, you can only re- unless, unless you, te- unless yeah, you text. Yeah, yes, exactly. Really I can. I can either text you, but if I want to send you any kind of link or picture or anything, it has to be through Facebook. You could always. You could always email it to me. I can do. I can send it to you on Discord. Why don't we start? Be, why don't we start emailing each other? Uh, yeah. All right. It'll <laughs> be just like email- uh, 2012. Yeah. And- <laughs> Uh, all that time we spent at that job we had uh, emailing yeah. each other about the Muppets movie for five, f- four months straight. No, that was great. That <laughs> we, was the best. We exchanged um, several emails daily yeah, good, about good the Muppets times. 2011 like for several months. <laughs> Look, that is... I honestly believe... Maybe, I don't think there's been a film which has affected me quite as yeah. much since then as the Muppets movie. In, in a workplace, this is like pre-Slack. Uh, this is like in a very... We worked at a major... Um, financial institution in in Britain, uh, a low level, obviously. Uh, but we, um, but you know, no, it, it was we it were was, the CEO. Yeah, <laughs> we're exactly. Yeah, in our in our previous life, that's why we spend all our time now doing this podcast in this massive mansion <laughs> that we own. Uh, but it, you know, it was a very like old hat, big company. You know, not very like with it. And you know, before Slack existed, uh, we just sent emails through a company email system. They definitely knew that's what we were doing. Yeah, but I feel like they had so many emails going on. Like, I am I was very careful to never, if you, like, swore. I'm sure they were looking for, like, certain key phrases. Yeah. See, I would, would I would like, love to know. Something. I'd love to know if that's definitely the case. Like, yeah. even now, or I'd were, like, I want to know what, just, what, were they what just looking, things off. Uh, yeah. Because surely the there were too like, many emails, emails to be monitored. Yeah. to be, uh, They definitely could have looked at them, but I assume that they were... Like it was too many emails to be monitored. I don't think we tripped anything, unless Muppets was a keyword. Well, neither of us are working there now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, next news story: <laughs> Chromecast. You know, Scott, what's going on with Stadia at the moment? It's, it's doing well, isn't it? Pathetic. <laughs> Stadia uh, failed. It bombed, and it. I'm surprised you could even still use it anywhere because Google have just abandoned it as we all predicted they would. So Google is bringing out a new Chromecast with Google TV. It will support a lot of streaming service services, um, but it will not support Google's gaming streaming service, Stadia. The Stadia joins the, um, what's it called, the Ouya as uh, Android-based systems that are just defunct. 
Uh, was Ouya Android? Uh, Ouya was used used Android. Yeah, it was not an official Google thing. Uh, oh, but it okay. did use an Android operating system. Weird. Um. So, Google basically, yeah, they're releasing a new. It's going to be supporting Android, eventually. But you know what I mean? They're going to yeah, they're going to bring. They keep they keep saying that, isn't it? Don't they? And you'll you'll definitely meet my girlfriend from Canada like next week. <laughs> she's going to come to stay next summer, Cal. I can't wait. Yeah, she, she's great. real. Stage, she's definitely stages real. the Canadian girlfriend of a video game marketplace. I'm trying to think of what Castady can it can stady? No, no, it's not going to work. I was trying to make do combine Canada and Stadia, but I'm not smart enough to do so. Um, apparently, you can get it running on the Chromecast through side loading. Cool, but it's but so which is why it's. Like it, no one's sure why it's just not on there in the first place. If you could just quickly sideload it onto this onto the Chromecast, why not just put it on there? Uh, You've I want had a t- year, Google. I want to tie this in with another uh, big company who's failed to do a gaming thing uh, because Amazon's Crucible got cancelled. Oh yeah, what's Crucible? Uh, Crucible was a game uh, where <laughs> Am- Amazon tried to make a hero shooter uh, after the hero shooter fad had kind of ended, and then it released it. And nobody liked it, uh, so they took it back. They unreleased it and took it back into development. And then they tried to do a beta, an open beta. Uh, was it open? Oh, it was like a public test beta. No, they, they, uh, they moved it back into closed beta. Like okay, if you they had moved the, it back into closed game, beta. If you had the game, I think yeah. you could access it, but otherwise no one else would um, be able to access it. Moved back in closed beta to develop it. And now they've said uh, it's unworkable. That's just the truth. You can't do it. Um, no one's going to enjoy this game. It. Amazon, yeah. with all their masses of money, couldn't make this game work. Yeah, I mean, couldn't just, just make no a good hero shoot. I mean, it, I think being a good hero shooter is not enough. Like, what yeah, differentiates you? It is you? also like finding a place in the market, marketing as well, uh, actually advertising to people, but also is doing something that popular games don't already do. Is they tried to release a hero shooter into a marketplace that was already dominated by Overwatch, which was a huge game. And still is, is Overwatch played. still is, is Overwatch still, still, still big? It still is very popular. I don't think it's as popular as it was, but it's still, I think, very popular. But it's you know um, supporting a. Uh, you know what's you know what's funny actually about Overwatch base. is obviously obviously after Blizzard's um, reaction to the uh, Hong Kong uh, incident, um, we sort of swore ourselves off of Blizzard games, and it's almost funny to me to see other companies just do so much, like even worse stuff in the like following year than that, like. Like you look at like the Ubisoft situation, and they yeah, are, they are all, so much but, worse than but, Blizzard but right Blizzard now. Blizzard also just... does bad stuff for its employees. I, just, well, course, I don't yeah, want to yeah, say definitely. the only bad thing Blizzard did was the Hong Kong thing. They also underpay their employees who have to sleep in their cars and can't afford to buy food at a company cafeteria. That's what. Yeah, that's okay. That's that's true. I did completely forget about that. Actually. Yep. But the, um, the the original thing that I originally swore off Blizzard for was that, and then just to see how low, much lower companies can go is just oh, well, shocking. I'm not playing any Ubisoft games either. Me neither. I'm I'm also off Ubisoft anyway, games. Uh, yeah, but these big it's, these two also, stories. I'm are... also not playing any Amazon games. Yeah, because they're not really. No, no, no one can in the world. <laughs> uh, but see, these two examples of big companies uh, trying to do something uh, that you'd think they could figure out, but have completely failed because they. Well, I can tell you why Stadia failed, and also why. Crucible failed. Uh, Crucible, I've already why told you Stadia Crucible fail. failed. Uh, Cru- Stadia failed for five, I think it's five reasons. Uh, one. Um, five reasons? Okay, yeah, I'm going to go one, back to my pot noodle poor, I've got. Poor value. Yep. So uh, Stadia wanted you to pay full price 
to buy late big releases on their platform when Google knows uh, every people pe- Google has a history of uh, being flaky. People know this. People who would be especially early adopters who might be. Into I was going to say. I was, I'm not sure if mass market necessarily like know that. Like who used Google yeah, Plus? Yeah, but, for example, but early, but early adopters uh, would yeah. would know. And also, so that and also, I think just generally, it's been demonstrated on multiple uh, attempts at doing a streaming service. People don't want that. People do not want to pay uh, money uh, for. You know, they don't want to buy a game that they can only play on your no. streaming service that may end. And Here's the on thing. top of that, yeah, Google, go- Google with this, like people say, oh, they're trying to compete with like um, PlayStation, whatever. And that's definitely not the case. When you look at a game streaming service, they're competing with Netflix and they're competing with Amazon Prime. Well, because that's what they should be doing. Uh, the idea, like, that's what they should be doing, right? Like when you're coming to a streaming service with that sort of like attitude, that's what you is in the back of your mind even as like a, as a as a mainstream consumer mm. that's definitely what you're thinking right yeah well that's what they should have been doing but unfortunately they did have a subscription service but the selection was horrible it was um yeah. i don't mean that they were bad games i just mean that they were mostly older games that were already a couple of years old um that if you were interested in games you'd probably um played like who yeah. is the audience for this streaming service um you know, the games like Rise of Tomb Raider, Red Dead 2, etc. People who were interested in Red Dead 2, but hadn't already played it, but were willing to pay out to play it now. Like, yeah, when it comes to streaming services, it's quantity that people want. People want variety. People want a lot. Look at Games Pass. That's not a streaming service, but people want that kind of variety. It's a subscription service, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, so I think this is what's interesting about Amazon's uh, Luna service which they've got coming out and i'm sure won't be shut down within five months um is that they are doing a channel-based system but what this is what i'm just all figuring out a channel-based system where you subscribe to certain channels and then you get games as part of that channel so you can pick and choose what you want which to be honest while still not comparative to something like game pass is at least a bit more Consumer, it, it, allows it, you, it allows you to actually pick what you want as opposed friendly, to but it might sell if it, and then buy the if, games. If it, it's not consumer friendly, it might but it's, sell it if maybe it offers people what more they appealing. Want. Yeah, more consumer appealing, yeah. I think, than than so paying a subscription to buy games. Stadia subscription service was poor value. Um, the internet infrastructure wasn't there to support a streaming service in large parts of both the United States and the world. Yeah, I mean, if, if Google can't get the infrastructure working, and, well, and they have the actual point, they have actual infrastructure to, to do this with, well, they like kind wires of wires and things. They're, they're not like an wires and things. They're not like an ISP. You know. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, you, they are though. Uh, in, in, in some parts of America, in, in, Google in, is an ISP. All right, but they're not. They they do not have the reach to do that. I would say no, Google okay. does provide internet in some parts of America, but they are they do not have the reach to put the infrastructure in place themselves. And um, when in pre-launch interviews, when they were challenged on this, uh, you know, what do, do you, how do you, are you going to navigate the fact that a large parts of, you know, the United States, their target market, that country doesn't have the internet for this. They said, I think ISPs will do the right thing. That's what one of the execs said. He said, oh, I think <laughs> ISPs will do the right thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they won't, obviously. No. So that, so the internet service is just not there. Um, when it launched for like the first three months of Stadia, you were only able to get it used by getting the $200 Founders Edition, which you had to buy in addition to the money they wanted you to pay to get the games. Yeah. Uh, so, and the actual version that um, you just play through any kind of Chromebook, which you think would be popular, 
wasn't available until uh, months afterwards, uh, by oh, which February, point it's already it? got a reputation as a flop. March, and, maybe? Um, no advertising is the final one. Yeah, I mean, what they were hoping for was that the early adopters would advertise it for them. Yeah, but I, unfortunately, right? their product was shit. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's the problem. Uh, so, yeah, that's, those are the reasons. Did I give five? Maybe. Uh, those are the main reasons why Stadio failed. Uh, it was a cavalcade of bad decisions. I interrupted a few, so maybe it was like seven. All you need, know. like, all you needed to do was secure the rights to distribute digitally streaming a good variety of games and offer it like cheap. Like, you could get quite easily gain a player base by being like, "All right, it's a quid a month for the first six months." Yeah. Uh, and Google is a massive company, right? They can they can bankroll this. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, this you can Microsoft play it did. through your Chromebook, through any and now through any you... device. Yeah. yeah we're we're quite favourable with at the moment although Microsoft do do some bad things but anyway uh, all you need to do was launch it say it's available through any Chromebook any browser it's a quid for six months you can play a hundred games on it and you're off to the races but they didn't do that and uh, they reaped the consequences it was poorly conceived you know what Google hire us if Google turned around and said you know these guys know what they're doing let's hire them I'll do it uh, yeah, it's £100 an hour consultancy fee, and I'll fine. get me in the it? room. That's fine. My solicitors cost more than that. Ridiculous. We're undercutting them, Josh, uh, uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah, well, f- f- sure. We, we, don't know, we don't know our own worth. Well, uh, you've given away opposition. Cut that out quick. <laughs> All right, what's, what's next in news? Uh, Glow got cancelled. Oh yeah, RIP Glow. Glow's a show that me and you were very favourable of. It was a series that we really yeah, intended but, to but, do a but podcast we, but about we never at some did point. A about we never did a maybe, podcast about it. Maybe we I can think, finally do a Glow memorial cast. Well, that's, that sounds good. I think what we said was oh, we'll do it after series four because uh, uh, that had been announced. It had been too late since series three released before for us to do it. And then of course series four is now never happening. Uh, they've just basically said that um, due to the like COVID stuff. And the the fact that is they're filming a wrestling show where people have to get close and fight, it became impossible for them to film it this year like they were intending to. They've already recorded one episode, and then they had to cut shut down filming partway through the second episode. Uh, they would not be able to get filming done this year, potentially not next year. And by that point, you're looking at two years of um, contracts and things that it just isn't worth the investment based on the return that Netflix is going to get for it. So I, I sort of get it. I get I why. I mean, this fits it in with shame. Netflix's MO because remember, Netflix doesn't really have anything to gain by doing long-running series. It doesn't. No, exactly. Um, no, when, when they want new, they want new it's, people. But it's still sad. What is good is that all the actors have been paid, so they they still being paid what they would have got for the series anyway. They don't have to do the series, oh, okay. so that's still a positive. I think it's not. It's not like a load of people are just out of work and not getting paid for it. They're, they're earning what they would have done regardless. It's just us. The viewers, and anyway, I presume the, the, the stagehands. Well, who, you, we okay, presume. Right. Yeah, exactly. We don't. We don't put, put a big asterisk on that one. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe the help weren't getting paid. Oh, who knows? Who knows? What have Certainly you finally got for us with regards to Star Wars Squadrons? I was going to talk about the Xbox, store, Xbox storage. Oh, do Xbox storage. Um, so last week we talked about, or last podcast rather, we talked about how Xbox is bringing its own proprietary storage for the Xbox Series X and S, uh, which is a one terabyte card, which you just plug into the back of your Xbox and would cost $220, and that's the only way you could increase your storage of the Series X. 
Um, they have come out and basically said that while that's the only thing that's going to be available at launch because they've partnered with Seagate, uh, other expansion cards will be available in different form factors and sizes moving forward made by other companies. So they're not locking it so that only one com- company can make stuff for their device. They're basically opening it up for other companies as just at launch to get the speed that you specifically need for the Series X. Only one company is who they've partnered with for that. So if you're a bit disappointed that you can only pay $220 for a propriety card, that's not necessarily going to be the case, which is good. I mean, I've, I've not needed to upgrade the space in my console ever because once I'm done with a game, I delete them. I'm not the sort of person to keep games on my consoles or on my PC when I'm not playing them. But for some people, like to just have lots of games on the go at a time, so I guess this is good for for them. That's 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 the. the I feel gist. like on the Switch is the only one I want to keep stuff in, installed on. For in that's the vain f- fear that I'm like, oh, what if I'm caught short? Never happened. I've yeah, never what if been, I'm what if I'm, I'm traveling somewhere and suddenly I want to play Mario to Rabbids? Play this and nothing Need else to have it installed, do. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. I think that's because of the pick up and play Despite nature the fact of the Switch. That's, that's never happened in my life. But maybe it will. <laughs> but maybe. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. And then Star Wars Squadrons, um, the EA have announced that there will be no post-launch DLC. Uh, what you've paid for, for is what you're going to get, which is a, a bit of a change for EA, but not which an unwelcome the, um, one. I don't want to give them too much credit uh, no. because that is just how it should be. Uh, but um, it's quite de- depressing that creative director Ian Fraser described this as an old school approach of <laughs> selling a complete product uh, for a fixed price. Well, here's the thing. So you, you said that, so that's how it should be, which I do partly agree with. But the idea of having more content down the line, like let's say, let's say this game's out for six months, and then what, well, when the game's out, they then start developing new maps for people to play, which they could have the option to buy. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. There's not, I think, inherently wrong with that, and games did used to have expansion packs in the day. Yeah. Uh, but what has happened, uh, I think we have seen quite plainly over the last 10 years uh, plus, is games carving out content that yeah, used exactly. to just be part of a complete game to sell back, you know, launch day DLC, yeah. you know, early kind of cycle. You know, usually you expect uh, expansion or DLC after like a year or maybe 18 months, uh, whereas, you know, when DLC is coming out six months later, it makes you wonder... Um, you know, could that have been in the game? See if it's a if it's a map pack. I don't think six months later is that big of a no, deal. Like, it, I mean, it, you it's want hot, you want it to be released when you're actually but, playing but it, companies, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but we know that big companies like no, I know, EA, yeah, companies have done badly. Like, do yeah, absolutely this sort of thing. Yeah, where uh, this is the opposite to how they approached Battlefield Two, which is Battlefront Two. Battlefront yeah. Two. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what uh, EA wants to do. I think Disney might have given them like a stern talking to. Oh, yeah, because it's going to damage the Star Wars brand. Uh, because they've released a couple of games now in the Star Wars line where they've made a big show about how it's a complete game with like no microtransactions, which those things are good. I don't trust EA not to go back on it later. As yeah, as and Disney don't want the Star Wars brand to be damaged at all, which is why they should also give J.J. Abrams a stern talking to. Check out our Star Wars podcast on Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what a load of shit. Uh, so, now it looks wh- like a glistening memory. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, that was great. Well, a turd glistens as well, doesn't it? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> depends on the light. Uh, so we, one thing I've noticed with doing the, the podcast for the past few months is that this year, especially, there's been a lot of industry bullshit that can make you t- feel quite cynical. Oh, well, a lot games. of industry bullshit coming to light. It was yes, going exactly. on. It's always going uh, on. Well before that. Um, 
what I've always wanted this podcast to what I've always wanted this podcast to be is a positive place first and foremost. But of course, you can't have this stuff happen without talking about it, which is why I'm now changing the news up a little bit to have a specific industry bullshit corner, which is happening now at uh, the end of the news, where AKA we're going to talk about the shit that happened. Games de- game the games industry needs a union half hour. Yes, exactly. Maybe not half. <laughs> it won't be half an hour, but. <laughs> Uh, but, but look, I think speaking up about this stuff is important, and even yes. with you know our the the audience, you know we are the small reach that we have. Uh, I think it's important to go into the business side and shed some light on these these stories uh, because people have been harmed by this. It deserves to be heard. So first up, uh, Cal, do you remember when CD Projekt Red said it wouldn't uh, do any crunch uh, for its staff? You know, crunch yeah, is that. a is a common industry practice of um, basically making all your employees work extremely long hours uh, in the last kind of six, sometimes more months of a game's development cycle to get it out on time. Yeah, um, well, CD Projekt Red are good, right? They, they made Witcher 3, they, they, made, they, they made Cyberpunk, they make they're good, game aren't they? I, they make game I like, therefore yeah. can, cannot do wrong. Yeah, they're really uh, good. I like them. They're, well, they're, and, they're, and they you're not going to tell me they've done something wrong, And they wrong, said they? very publicly that their employees wouldn't have to do crunch uh, on Cyberpunk 2077 for upcoming okay, games. Okay, well, that's good. Okay, so that's... Oh, I mean, Cal, I've got this is the industry bullshit corner, though, so... Oh. Cal, I've, got, I've, I've just been told that um, actually they're going to have to do quite a lot of crunch. Oh. Oh. What? Yeah. Yeah, but they said they but, wouldn't. Yeah, but it, it turns out uh, without a union, you can't hold your employer c- to account for anything that they say because God. they have a lot of power over individuals. Damn it. Why would they lie to us, the buyers of the game? Yeah, why would they lie <laughs> in their publicity and say another thing to their workers? I mean, um, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, obviously, this is fucking bullshit. I've properly killed my interest in cyberpunk as well. Um, I yeah, imagine making a cyberpunk game, which of course is meant to be fighting oh, back against the they, corporation. They've also, they've also said cyberpunk won't be political. Uh, <laughs> a cyberpunk game won't be political, apparently. Fuck uh, so, off. So basically, yeah, I'm not interested in it. Don't care how much Keanu is. Keanu in there working crunch? Bet he's not. Bloody hell. Anyway, that's bullshit. I'm pretty Proper sure he's just hired as an actor. Proper you can't hold Keanu interest. responsible for this. <laughs> no, just saying. Don't blame Keanu. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Keanu would work it if he could. Christ, yeah, like, could he bear saw, the sins of a world? If he saw how much shit people no, were going okay. through, it's like, guys, go home. I'll handle it. And he'll sort anyway, it out. Um, that's fucking bullshit. CD Projekt Red, you should be ashamed of yourselves. So what they've said is... Um, uh, it's one of the hardest decisions they've had to make. Uh, and basically, the staff are going to have to work mandatory six day weeks and we, they, don't, they don't say how long those days are I don't think they just say the six day weeks and those I suppose those days could be I, I assume if 10 they, hours 20 I, hours I, yes I assume if they have to go into the sixth day a week uh, that means they're already working a full time week plus more yeah exactly um, there was also I've not got the letter to hand but they, they sent a letter out to all staff I think back in June so this is just them publicly announcing it but yeah. from what I understand this has actually been going on since June uh, and they basically apologised to the staff's family because they're going to have to do this mandatory crunch and they're like but don't worry we really think this is going to be the prestigious game and one of the best, most prestigious games launched this generation and it's like fucking that's not going to be helpful to the family is it oh daddy's not going to be home again today not, not on this podcast it's not <laughs> Daddy's not going to be home today, sweetheart. Um, he's making the most prestigious game of a generation. Uh, here's a doll I've made of him to remind you what he looks like. <laughs> All right. Fucking hell. What's up um, next, Cal? Uh, Activision Blizzard. Oh, we just mentioned Blizzard before, didn't we? 
They're alright, aren't they? They do good things. No, but they don't. <laughs> oh shit! I'm getting this corner confused. Um, basically, they've informed employees, and it's Versailles. 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 Oh, it's making me sigh. Uh, France office on Tuesday that loca- not no they told them on Tuesday that the location would be closed putting an end to the U.S. company's history in the country. Uh, The office employed about 400 people as of 2019 and handled marketing, customer support, localizing games to different language and other functions for the titles Activision Blizzard publishes in Europe. It's the reason that in World of Warcraft, if you put it to server time, it would be European time, so one hour ahead of the U.K. time, even when you're on U.K. servers, because their main office is in was in was in france for the eu eu servers basically uh so this is like a been a massive part of blizzard's um production going back as far as world of warcraft and maybe even like even further back than that uh they originally planned to relocate half of the office to london according to the people who asked not to be identified discussing private information this is from bloomberg however the twin factors of brexit and the coronavirus pandemic have inhibited that process leading to the decision to just shut at the site about an hour's drive outside paris um, Blizzard's shares, of course, Meanwhile, have gained. they post record profits. Yes, they post record profits, and their shares have gone up thirty-two percent this year. So you know, <sighs> turns out when people turns out when people are inside all the time playing an MMO and other like games, quite a profitable situation right now. In fact, in the past day, it looks like it's got up another three point seven percent. So fuck them. Uh, I mean, no, there's no there's no justifying this. <laughs> Nope. They wanted to move the office. They're not able to do so because of coronavirus and Brexit, I guess, which hasn't actually happened yet. Uh, so they're just going to shut it all down and get rid of everyone. Deal with it, I guess, is, is their attitude here. Um, Sorry to make you jobless in a pandemic. We had to make more profit for our shareholders. Yeah, exactly. It. The timing of, of this, <coughs> ridiculous. A blizzard, you're a bunch of tossers. Uh, <laughs> Ubisoft then. We mentioned Ubisoft before as well. Uh, I I am surprised that CD Projekt Red have managed to get themselves into the pantheon of British uh, of a uh, of um, Blizzard and Ubisoft, but here we are. Uh, Ubisoft have been doing their uh, um, external survey about the misconduct at work, and someone has leaked the staff survey, which was undertaken by fourteen thousand Ubisoft employees, and re- revealed that twenty percent of staff don't feel respected or safe in the work environments at the company. With 25% of the respondents, that's one in four for those who can't do maths, reporting they had either experienced or witnessed workplace misconduct. Um, according to The Verge, the survey, the results of which were shared alongside a letter from CEO Yves Guillemot, uh, identified that women and non-binary employees in particular were more likely to have seen or experienced harassment. Currently, women make up 22% of all staff at the company. Um in the correspondence to all staff, Guillermo confirmed that Ubisoft was looking to improve the gender balance of the organization by increasing the number of women employed at Ubisoft by 2% by 2023. Just, just, shut, just shut it down. Just shut the company down. There's 22% of staff at Ubisoft is, is women. And to improve the gender balance, they're going to bring it up to 24%. Wow. In three years' time. Well, I think our thoughts on Ubisoft are already well documented. Yeah, that's Ubisoft. So they, they I mean, saying that you want to increase it by... Two percent in three years is not fixing the problem, is it? It's not even doing anything to fix the problem, really. Um, it looks like they learned, they've learned absolutely nothing from this. So, no, you don't want to learn because of course Yves not. Gamow is he supports all this abuse. Of course he does. 
He abides it. He knew about it blatantly as much as he denied it. In my opinion, he definitely knew about it. And he, yeah, he supported it and he just doesn't care. We should stand outside Ubisoft's uh, offices with placards that said, Eves should leaves. Eves should go. Eves Grimo. Eves should go. That's there yeah. we go. That's what we chant. Right. The placards cool. say Eves should leaves, and then we yeah. said, Eves Grimo, you should go. Yeah. We asked if we want your games. We said hell no. All right. Cool. Do it. There we you go. Come and see that next week. <laughs> Callus got arrested for <laughs> protesting Ubisoft. They're only two, the only two protesters there. Um, that's the end of the industry bullshit corner uh, though, actually wait no there's been one more breaking news which actually came out um, like half an hour ago uh, you know level 5 I don't know they made uh, Nino Kuni, Yokai Watch I think oh, they yeah. might have also made the Professor Layton games or is that All someone right, yeah, else go, go ahead go ahead um, they have halted operations in the North, in North America and thus the West as a whole um Sources say that Level 5 International America right now have been running with a skeleton crew since August 2019, and basically they will no longer be bringing across any of their games from Japan. Mm. Which is a shame. I guess, I guess I guess they just weren't doing enough business in the West to make that worthwhile. I mean, there, there was always very niche games. Uh, did you play Fantasy Life? Uh, no, I've not played any of on them. On 3DS? No. Nope. I thought you did play Fantasy Life. No. Nope. Is that someone else? Never in my life. Okay, well that's a shame. Uh, yeah, well, they, they are, they are <laughs> very good. They are uh, shattering, <laughs> and so will not be no more games from them, which is a shame because I like some of those games. Did they make Professor Layton? There's no mention of Professor Layton in this article, so maybe they didn't. Oh no, they did. Okay, I there wa- we go. I've got to be honest with you, Cal. I wasn't on tenterhooks. Oh, okay. to find what, out really? whether they made Professor Layton. <laughs> Have you, have you not played a Professor Layton? No. Great game, Scott. Really right. good games. Classic. Well, I'll never get a chance say. now. Uh, in fun news this week, which leads us on to our discussion point, uh, <laughs> Minecraft was announced for Smash Brothers. They bloody oh. did it, Scott. They bloody get did ready it. to smash. Minecraft Steve and Alex <laughs> and the zombie and the Enderman are all in Smash Brothers. And honestly, I am genuinely excited. I saw <laughs> this and I thought this is... The best shit. Did you watch the trailer? I have not. No. Go watch the trailer, Scott, because it is so good. <laughs> so they didn't. They didn't say who was going to be ahead of time before they announced the trailer. They just show it. Mario's fighting some people. He's fighting Mega Man and stuff like he does and it in wasn't Smash Brothers. Some anime character like it normally is. No, exactly. Uh, they smash Mario out the way. He goes flying and he crashes through a wall and he's in pitch darkness. And then suddenly, uh, there's a bunch of noises and you can see uh, eyes appearing behind him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's very scared. And then from the wall, two little blocks break down. You do. I'm having a look at this now. And in there is Minecraft Steve. It's fucking great. It's so honestly, it's one of the most fun trailers that I've I've seen Smash Brothers make. It's just it was so surprising. Oh boy, Smash Bros fans are mad. They're so mad, Scott. Why? It sounds cool. Of course it sounds cool, but it's Minecraft. That's a game for kids, unlike Smash Brothers and other Nintendo properties. Which, which is a not... game for serious adults. They're game for serious adults. <laughs> yeah, because people are mad about whoever gets added to Smash. It's never good enough. I don't know who people want anymore from Smash. Dante well, Cal, from that on to our next question. Who do you want in Smash? That's and what would thing. their powers be? So our discussion point. With Steve from Minecraft being added to Smash Bros and bringing one of the most unique movesets to date, because he's got all of his Minecraft stuff, he's got a pickaxe, he can build blocks and things. 
You can mine and craft. Brilliant. Uh, which character or characters from any series or anything would you add to Smash Bros? And what moveset would they have? How would they attack? What would their up special, down special, and side specials be? What costumes would they have? And what would their stage look like? Do you have an answer yet, Scott? Because mine's very in-depth. I, I do have an answer, yeah. And I feel like we've done this prompt before, but you want to do it in more depth? Yes. I've I've gone maybe too far with mine, right. I think. So do you want to do yours first? Yeah, or last? sure. Um I think let's maybe do mine first. Let me just count, can, hang on. Let me just count how many how many words I've written on. Count, mine. Keep in mind that I it needs to be interesting, and you need to say it within like ten minutes. Yeah, I know. I've got five hundred seventy eight words. We'll, we'll do it. Okay. You do yours. You do yours first. <laughs> All right. My answer is I would like to see. Um, I want to see Chell and Glados together from Portal. Okay, that sounds interesting. Okay, so obviously you've got the portal gun, which you can fire. I think just having a attack that is just firing the two portals would be really good. And you could travel, and anyone else can travel between them. Okay, that's good. Uh, but also, I like you're going to have um, you're going to have the stuff from Portal Two, the, the gels. So you're going to be able to get in oh. the gel that makes you go fast, the gel that makes you bounce. I can't remember. If there's another gel in that game, uh, but. I should so. replay Portal 2. That was a maybe really there, good game. There was. So that was a good game. Would, um, and then uh, a simple attack, you um, summon in like a companion cube to hit people with. Like it. That's arranged. That's good. Um, obviously, you're like, instead of jumping, um, you know, when you're trying to fall off a ledge, you put down a portal and you try, you have to try and get out, you know, maintain your momentum as well. Like, like it. Smash. That's that would be really cool. And then the Smash Ultimate would be um, the, your, your, your target. Uh, he gets thrown into a, a dark room, yep. and then um, eyes light up, and loads of eyes light up, and it's for the gun drones. In oh a big room. shit, that's good. And then they all fire at him. So how does Glados fit into this? Um, so I, in my mind, Glados is going to be the one deploying the gels, uh, but okay. I can't really remember if that is happening in the game while we just find them. Uh, I think I think, I think, you, I think they're just, just around in Black Mesa. So maybe, so maybe it's just going to be Chell. Um, could Glados be a around. potato on her? Um, yeah, on Glados her could be a potato gun on, and just on her talks arm. all the way through. That would be good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so portals. I think that would be that would be another really unique move set. Nice. I like it. I like that a lot. Okay. I've gone for the Kellogg cereal mascots. Yeah. Um, so you you got Tony the Tiger, Coco the Monkey, and Snap Crackle and Pop. It's like an Ice Climbers type thing, but they're all they're all one character, like the like the Pokemon trainer. You know where they mm. can switch between the three Pokemon. It's yeah. like that. So your your character is a cereal box, and then different mascots come out of it. Yeah, exactly. So you press down B, and then it, you you div, you get a different mascot <laughs> out. Uh, so you got Tony the Tiger, who's slow but tough. He has a normal B special that has him kicking. You know those beanbag football things you used to get. Yeah, I you remember know. those. Yeah, those are good. He got that. He kicks it at people. Um, in order to recover himself, his up special has him launching himself upwards with a fist, going great, and it launches him up so he can he can grab onto ledges and things and punch people. His side special has him chucking a cereal bowl like a duck discus, and you hold it down, and like a little line comes out, letting you adjust the distance. So, like you hold it and just go further along as as you as you hold it. If a opponent gets hit by it, they get covered in milk, and so they slop around more. Or if it lands on the floor, that area becomes slippery. And if there's milk on the edge of the stage, you can't grapple your way back onto the stage because there's milk in the way. Uh, then you've got Coco the monkey, who is quick but weak. His standard B special has him shooting cocoa rocks out of a slingshot that do two do smalls around. There you go. It, this gets stuff back from all of the pantheon of Kellogg's cereal, Scott. Um, <laughs> Everything so, we remember. 
It, it's, a, it's a small amount of damage that causes the opponent to flinch. His side special lets him zoom around on a skateboard, but of course he puts protective gear, similar to Mario's motorbike, and then his up special is a recovery move where a vine will appear from the top of the screen, allowing him to climb it, but leaving him vulnerable as he does so. Uh, his standard attacks have him whacking people with his tail. Is there any the- reference to Choco Krispies in this? Um, um, no. Do you Rice remember Krispies- Cocoa Pops changed their name to Choco Krispies? Maybe he could... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that would work maybe it could be right. one of his emotes uh, then the final character is, as part of this group is the Rice Krispie Kids so there's three of them they handle normal attacks by hitting their enemies with their spoons but all three of them attack so every normal attack hits for up to three times they follow each other around like ice climbers but every use of their main special moves the one in the front of the group to the back of the group because their main special is they throw fr- Rice Krispies onto the floor like a, like a bomb uh, the red one creates a flash bomb effect that stuns the enemies around him. Uh, the blue one creates a smuff- puff of smoke that obscures view in the immediate area for five seconds. And the green one has like a grenade where he chucks it down. And two seconds later, it will explode and do a large amount of damage to anyone in its vicinity, even the kids if they get too close to it. Their side attack has them throwing Rice Krispies squares. Uh, two of them throw it in the front and one of them ch- chuck it behind based on whichever direction they are facing. Um, these do damage when they hit the enemy, but you can also eat them off the floor to heal some health. Oh! And then their up attack is recovery move, which has them swing each other around in order to grab onto ledges. Then I the like fi- the idea that they can climb up each other. Yes. In yeah. defiance of physics. That's it. You know it. Just swing it round. Smash doesn't have physics. It's fine. Then the Kellogg's final smash. All of the characters come together and launch forward and off the screen, grabbing anyone in their path. And if they grab someone, that person gets chucked into a giant cereal bowl filled with various Kellogg's cereals, or a mix and mix and match them all. And they're treading water in the milk. Then suddenly, behind the uh, bowl, I, I can imagine um, like a stream of like you know in the cereal adverts where milk is just in slow motion, is like yeah. streaming into the bowl. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, then suddenly, behind the bowl, a sunrise a sunrise breaks and a shadow's in the center of it, and that shadow is the cornflakes rooster there's a big rooster cry which causes the, the milk to start swirling around and a whirlpool to appear and the characters get trapped in the bowl and get pelted by all the different cereals uh, cereals in the bowl which does lots of continuous damage and then the kellogg's mascots all leap from the side of the bowl directly into the center of the whirlpool smashing down with their cereal spoons doing a large amount of damage and knocking them off the edge of the screen oh, uh the good. level would be a, a, a breakfast table that's that's what the stage would be. It would just be at a breakfast table with loads of cereal mm. bowls and stuff on it, and that's my that's my Smash character <laughs> idea, which brings us to the end of the oh, show. That's, re- that's really good. I like. I want the Kellogg's. That yeah. should happen. I thought yeah, I thought really hard Nintendo about it. <laughs> I really thought hard about this. They're not this. video game. That's really stretching. You can be in Smash. They're not even video game characters. Of course, but, they, yeah. there has been Kellogg's video games though. Did you play them? Yeah, I I remember ah. the platformer ones. Oh, ah. I'm not sure if they're any good, but I liked them. They came oh, with the cereal let your box. Let your characters be in Smasher. I want Cho in there. Yeah, and I want Tony the Tiger and the Rice Krispie Kids. They can both be in there. Yeah. <laughs> Put the lads from Ricochet in there. No one remembers Ricochet. What's Ricochet? Ricochet, I think, started out as a Half-Life mod. It was a multiplayer uh, arena game from the late 90s in which uh, you, you like... It was Tron-like because you threw discs that bounced off of various surfaces uh, and you tried to try and get your opponent... No one right, remembers okay. Ricochet, but everyone has it in their Steam library. I guarantee it. Go check out Ricochet in your Steam let library. Me a, let I, me have a look. I guarantee let me have a look. it's there. Uh, Rico. I've got it. I got, I got it in 2014. Oh, at some point, we should just have our own little game of Ricochet. All right. I'll get it installed at some point. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, okay, that's the end of the show.
thank you very much for joining us scott thank you very much for joining as well oh my pleasure across two days um <laughs> yeah that's the end if you want to find uh, I, I recommend checking out the youtube no don't get youtube there's a new video up there about yep. what was it even about uh what was it about scott uh super mario 35 Super Mario, Mario I was going to say Among Us, but no, it's about Super yeah, Mario. There, there also is one on there about Among Us, but that was the previous two weeks. Um, there, you can follow me on Twitter at CalMyName. You can follow the Nerd and Geek Instagram, which is Nerd and yeah, Geek. It's good. Where Scott posts a bunch of um, figure building, and I occasionally post. Uh, you occasionally feel obligated to, to do a post that says, I'm playing video games? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't have a phone, so it's it's very difficult to just post to Instagram sometimes. Uh, you can follow me on. The only social media I want people to follow me on is Letterboxd, which is a film uh, logging thing. I'll p- post what films I'm watching. That's just Schmun, S C H M U N, Schmun. Just follow me on Letterboxd if you want. And you also follow Nerdando Geek on Facebook if you are a boomer. That's the end of it is there anything you want to say to everyone before they go scott uh no just take care of yourselves uh this is a a difficult time with especially in the uk with new new restrictions yeah they just uh, announced a three-tier system like an hour ago or whatever yeah, this new restriction system allow, is don't allow the tories to rob you of joy in your life because they do want to they want to rob you of all your joy don't allow them uh, you know, rejoice in the defeat of your enemies, rejoice in the victories of your friends, and, you know, do your best. I'm going to go finish my pot noodle, which I which I started eating before this podcast, but we ran out of time. Better put it in the microwave. Uh, I've been eating it throughout the podcast as well, so sorry if you heard that. But I'm sure you didn't. Did you hear it, Scott? Oh, to be in your shoes. We're safe. I didn't hear it. No. We're safe then. All right. All right. Bye, Bye, everyone. See you in two weeks. Bye. What did I want to talk about for the post-pod pre-pod? What did you want to talk about? I'm trying to find it. I sent you a message saying what it was, but I've forgotten it. What? Remember, I sent you a message saying what I wanted to talk about, and then... I I, I don't know. Let's check now. I want to discuss the Microsoft Excel fiasco. Okay, cool. That's what, oh, that's, sure. That was it. Um, I've been learning about Excel recently. What have you been learning about it? Uh, just my work's got me on a, it's a Google Sheets course, but most of it is applicable to Excel as well. Yeah, because Google so. Sheets is basically the same thing. Just, I mean, I I find Google Sheets a lot more difficult to use personally. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's just because I'm more used to Excel. Hmm. But they've got me on a, a course, an online. It's like a, uh, you know, recorded lecture course. Um, doing all sorts of sheet stuff, Excel stuff. Oh, yeah. Functions and whatever. So it's it's a genuine upskill. It's like the first real like transferable skill. That's pretty good. I'll learn from them. Um, that's, that's, that's Yeah, I mean, like hard good. skills. So, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm learning all sorts of advanced Excel stuff. Nice. Um, I have... Uh, I mean, I, I wish other people would learn the advanced Excel stuff. Like, you look at, like, this, this mm. whole thing right now, like, how they lost 16,000 people from... Uh, the from the from the 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 test and trace thing because it turns out they were storing everything in Excel. I don't I don't get how you how yeah, you get to that point. Excel doc. Th- th- like surely someone there at some point said this isn't what Excel is meant to be used for. 
Yeah, it's just basic. It's basic knowledge. Like uh, you, you just, think they'd invest in uh, better database technology, wouldn't you? Or any but, database technology. Excel yeah. isn't really database technology. It's well, just spreadsheets. Well, what are you meant? What are you meant to do when Microsoft's retired? Microsoft Access. You know, there's no other database technology out there. So, <laughs> well, there, there definitely you know, no is. No one has ever, no one has ever made a soft, another piece of software that <laughs> to 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 make a database. You know, it's just impossible. It's, it's just it's. <laughs> It's you. It's it's so basic. Everything just runs on a database. Like every website runs on a database. Does this mean all of the government stuff? Because by by very by it the very logic, right, the, the question you have to ask is: If they chose Excel to do this big important storage thing, that what else are they using Excel for? What else are they using basic Microsoft tools for on their everyday like government stuff? That's really insecure. Mm-hmm. It's it's just not this. That's not up to standard that you would expect from a fucking government. What are they? Are they? Are they like you know when you you know when you do the um the the survey? What's the what's the what's it's like a um census the census information? Yeah. Are they storing all of that on Excel as well? It's quite they, possibly. They just copy and paste it onto a massive what? Word document. <laughs> yeah. I've put it on a PowerPoint for you. Yeah, it's a PowerPoint. Every every slide is a new is a new person <laughs> in the country. <laughs> you just click through it. So it you've got it's to get more to... and more outdated um, software. I put it on Macromedia Dreamweaver. Yeah. <laughs> I put it on WordPerfect for you. Could you remember using like Dreamweaver in? Um, in uh, I remember GCIT. Yeah, we got a big. Uh, ITICT, whatever. We got a big um, chunk of that GCSE was learning to use Dreamweaver, a software that even at that time was already outdated. No one used the Dreamweaver. I mean, no, you, no one, you couldn't design. No one, you couldn't design Web Toy yeah. two point on Dreamweaver. Well, you could if you knew HTML coding, but we weren't not, taught that. Yeah. <laughs> we were taught to use the uh, the tools. Um, you know. To put hyperlinks in, they might as and, well have got uh, us to make it on free webs. But basically, we made some like GeoCities websites uh, that was on a piece of software yeah. that no one was using even at that time, and uh, I, that was our I, computer education. I had uh, my my website. I was pretty proud of. Like, if you if you highlighted over the buttons, they would change to different colors and like Ooh. get like a, a, a cool effect on them. And the teacher sort of looked at that and thought. Oh, that's pretty cool, but it's not much substance, is it? And I'm like, what? what? It's a fucking, it's a fucking website. What do you, well, what, what do you mean there's not enough make, substance? If I, if I recall, they wanted us to make a website that had about like healthy eating or something. Yeah, yeah. So I was making like, I was doing some cool stuff. And like, um, uh, it's not really what we're looking for. You just need a basic website to talk uh, about healthy. It's because like, fucking. But surely designing a website is the point. Health, healthy eating is not the point of a project. Exactly. It's a it's a ICT pro it's IT project. It's, you want a cool you, looking you're website? Designing a website, uh, whatever. It's and just. It, so I don't know uh, if you're currently in school or you're in school more recently than us. Uh, <laughs> let us know what the current IT syllabus is like. Uh, I might ask. Are, are my, you still using? Yeah, ask, your, ask your younger your younger siblings. Uh, are they still using Dreamweaver? That's a good question because <laughs> because obviously my one of them is is currently in their last year of school, so that would be I could probably find out yep. that information pretty it's easily. Kind of crazy. You you think why weren't we taught to use all these Excel functions? <laughs> why weren't we I, taught how to um, store it automatically store mm, information on? I should, thought yeah. I thought Excel was a manual input. Did, did they? 
Where was that? Uh, you can set up a. Um, well, it depends how you do your. Well, well, the thing the is, right, results, this, right? this, this data that the government was collecting, right, and putting into this Excel spreadsheet, they, they said that they, they didn't realize it had run out of space, which suggests that it's automatically inputting this information. You know, and then they, they've just, just got to a point where they've not realized that, oh, it's, it's filled up and you can't input info, info, more information until we actually look at it. But that still suggests that they're manually inputting that information somewhere. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they had someone doing data entry. Uh, but you'd think what you'd have is, you know, the testing centers of some kind of, like, specialist software for this kind of thing that stores all the medical information and then outputs it as some kind of file format, right? Yeah. Now, that's what you'd think. And maybe it can output it as a spreadsheet and that's just what they've been maybe, using. Maybe, but, they, but, but they've been copying uh, especially they just in. keep adding to. Oh, fuck, maybe. Yeah. Until they, maybe. Until they ran out it, of space and they didn't have the, yeah, the, well, the well, person. Presumably, all the, all the testing centers, like, I don't know, every day or every, however, whatever period, send back a report. Or maybe it does it automatically. It just sends back a uh, a report of all the test results to some to the no, the central government, the, the national government. So some sort of our central uh, database, Department you mean? of Health. Uh, yeah, and then presumably <laughs> they got to put it, they decided to put it onto the um onto a, a one big spreadsheet but also they've lost it all so it kind of implies that they don't have a backup at all so these these oh, no, testing they, they, they have aren't it, though, sending the they? data in individual packets because that, that's how or, they figured out that they'd missed they'd lost sixteen thousand people is that i'll realize they realized okay. that that data hadn't been they, input so they must still also okay. they must also so still they must have, have that data yeah, so presumably someone was just copying and pasting presumably they were outputting the data into like a csv or an excel file or something and someone was copying and pasting it over to the master spreadsheet yeah okay so oh it's just how do you make the there's so many decisions that have to have happened here for this to go this bad or, or rather so many lack of decisions that had to have happened you know excel uh, it can go up to quite a lot of cells right now but i don't think it can go up to like 20 million no it can't <laughs> um uh, you what need, else you need what they're doing this is their job this is literally like right now this is like matt hancock this is his job right now is just to sort but, this out but, Callum, you've got to realise that in the British government system, you don't hire people who know about what they're doing. You hire your mate who you went to Eton with, and you assume yeah. that he's probably all right. <laughs> so, uh, wait, but- so he, he he came into work one day, said, Excel spreadsheet, left for the day, and then that was it. That was his job done. I, I assume he was just like, let's put it onto an Excel sheet or something. And no, but all his staffers as well don't know what they're talking about either. No one they said- all went to Eton or Harrow or whatever. Uh, maybe Emmanuel... <laughs> And they're like, oh, just do it on an Excel spreadsheet. You don't get into government by knowing what you're doing is the main thing. God. I just... Like, I couldn't create you a database. I couldn't do it. But I'm also but not going to pretend were, that I could. If you were employed by the Department of Health to do the database, you, were... you, you probably should should know. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that I'm of the same level of fucking... Oh... It's, you could Google how to make a database. I could do it right now. You know what? Let's do it. How to make a simple database. Okay, we'll go simple. Uh, there's a simple database builder. You could use MS Access. Oh, here we go. How to create a database in Excel. Cool. <laughs> how to anyway. create an Access database for dummies. Databases from scratch. There's loads of stuff here. That isn't strictly they, they Excel. They seemingly forgot that um, that Excel had like a memory limit. SQL server database. That's probably what they wanted. 
Maybe that sounds good, doesn't it? A server database that does sound good. Well, anyway, um, so that's that's what happens. Is you don't get into government by knowing about stuff. You get into it <laughs> because you know people. What a load of bollocks. 